0: Of the Puripuri podcast. Now, as for why I'm uh, introducing this uh, episode in such a manner, it is because uh, we've had a sort of slight change of plan with what we're going to do for this episode. Uh, reason being is that, um, uh, by the way, say say hi to the uh, to the fans, David. Hello. Hi. Good. We can confirm there's a two is present, but sadly not a third, because um, as you may know, if you listened to uh, episode 19, um, Daniel is uh, now a changed man, and he is uh, off the booze and the gear and all the rest of it. However, and as some of you may know, if you've ever gone through uh, recovery from you know issues with things like that, you know staying sober can be something of a full time job. So he's taking a little bit of time away from the podcast at present just to uh, focus on himself and getting his uh, stuff together. So. I'm sure you'd like to join us in wishing him all the best if you've got any uh, sort of well wishes you would like us to pass on to him then uh, feel free to slide into our DMs but uh, with that in mind we didn't think that it would be right for us to carry on with the um, second and third installments of the match microscope cycle that we were going to do because the idea is that was going to be that three of us were going to pick a match, and if there's two of us, it doesn't really seem to fit. So what we're going to do, uh, just in the interim, is do a little two part section, uh, an idea we've actually had brewing for uh, quite a while. And what we are going to do is to cover some Japanese wrestlers who have uh, made their way into British wrestling at one time or another. It's going to be, going to come in two parts. So this episode twenty will be about the uh, so called World of Sport era when wrestling really was one of the biggest things in British uh, television, airing on national TV to an audience of over ten million. And then episode 21 will be about the stuff that came after that, so um, more modern British wrestling of the 21st century and so forth. Uh, but before we uh, start off with our selection of three matches that we've got for you today, um, seeing as it's been a little a bit of a while since we uh, have released an episode, so, um, uh, yeah, David, what's what's new with you? Uh, I, we've been to some uh, wrestling together um, quite recently, yeah, yeah. so should uh, uh, Royal Quest at the... Um, Copper Box Arena in uh, in London, uh, New Japan's. I think probably fair to say, like first full fledged, authentic steaming yeah. uh, New Japan show without like too much of the rev pro stank on it. Um, yeah,
1: I mean, put it this way, right? when We, uh, I, well, I'd like to say first of all, I'd like to give a big thanks to um, to Jackson and his new wife, um, Izzy. Um, basically, Izzy works for the like the regeneration of. Um, stratford after because it was all done for the olympic committee uh, the olympic games and all that and then was just kind of left afterwards <laughs> so she she basically like was involved in that and was involved in this and we got got us for vip tickets great view and stuff like that and she, they gave me the other one uh so i would like to give a massive shout out to them because it was really really nice of them to do that and it was great they also uh, also uh, stayed with them and that so it was it was great but um halfway through i believe it was the uh, the Ishii match, maybe oh, yeah. the kind counter match. We at one point we noticed that the the announcers they were doing the five minutes, ten minutes past, and they were doing it in Japanese. And Jackson just went over to his now wife and went see uh, see when he see when he said that got an erection. <laughs> 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 this is this is what we've been waiting for. This is all I've ever wanted. I Absolutely loved it's it. It's a proper Japanese like show yeah. in, in London. And it honestly, it was it was it was wonderful. It was just like they, they could have put out an absolute dog shit show and I still think people would have been happy because there would as you say, there was none of the RevPro stank. It didn't feel like a RevPro show.
0: No, well, and uh, if you could, uh, I mean, if rumours are to be believed about the, um, uh, the Ref Pro Show the night before with its interminable, like, attitude of a style clusterfuck of a main event between David Starr and Will Ospreay, who are two wrestlers who sh- you should not really be ha- having a bad match between those two guys.
1: No, um, no. Well, Osprey is literally having a career... I can't think of anybody who is having the year that Osprey is having, both past and present, like... He is utterly incredible at the moment. Everything he does touches to gold, apart from when it is in a RevPro main event, apparently.
0: (laughs) Yeah, against David Starr, who is really, really good. So, like, that just shows you, like, the sort of... The problem is that, like, Progress um, and RevPro are sort of trying to do what has historically been the the other promotion strength so like progress because they've got like they're doing like nxt uk now and uh, spending a lot of time on that Are sort of putting less effort into the storylines which have been their real strength they're just focusing on dream matches and rev pro are sort of trying to do storylines and they're not very good at telling them yeah <laughs> so i think yeah. that's the problem whereas new japan just basically gathers what new japan is famous for it was a show it was structured like a proper uh new japan show there was like young lines in the main event some undercard tags where the big names didn't really do very much but you know it was just nice to see them and then some like real proper hard-fought uh title matches of the last few and like honestly it was i don't i i think i've there may have been shows i've seen this year that were stronger i'm thinking in particular of the 16 carrot shows in Overhausen, but um, I-, I think part of that was me just struggling to adjust uh, because I'm I'm really not used to seeing wrestling in arenas anymore. And so mm-hmm. like your distance from the action, it kind of it was almost like sort of you were watching it through a through a haze or like you were watching mm-hmm. it underwater. There was a sort of like a distancing between uh, myself and what was going on. It took me a little while to adjust to that. Once I did so, Mm -hmm. like I absolutely adored it, especially the main event of uh, Kazuchika Kakata versus Minoru Suzuki, which was like just a masterful display of drama and selling. They really milked that crowd for all it was worth, particularly Suzuki, um, Mm -hmm. who at the age of 51 continues to have these really uh, sort of snug, uh, psychologically great, epic matches in him. I mean, I, I confidently said to the, uh, the guy next to me, I was like, well, you know, Suzuki's 51, so I wouldn't expect the usual 35-minute epic. And it turns out that's exactly what we got. And like, yeah, yeah. if you'd have told me, oh, yeah, Ricardo versus Suzuki's going to go 35 minutes before, and I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. But like in the building, it was absolutely brilliant. I don't know how it will translate on uh, video on demand, but yeah. um, in the building, it was an absolutely fantastic moment. And they actually did make you believe that Suzuki was uh, finally going to win the IWGP title.
1: Yeah, I, well, I mean, this this is a thing for me, right, but I mean, I'll, I'll be perfectly upfront and honest when I say these things. When I go to, like, these shows and, like, Royal Quest and wrestling and stuff like that, I'm not actually going for the wrestling show. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I usually just go to see people. Like, it's the whole point is there's a mass gathering of people like go for the weekend and have some, you know, chat nonsense and we go to the wrestling, and that's not to say the wrestling's bad or anything like that, but I wasn't going into Royal Quest going, I'm going to get absolute stormers, you know, if it's if ever anything's under four and three quarters, yeah. it's a shit show. or anything. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, uh, I I was kind of there, like, see the wrestling. I'll enjoy it, but it's not life or death if it's amazing. Do you know what I mean? I'm not expecting it to be amazing just because I'm there for the the social experience, so to speak. And to be fair, like, I mean, I've um, I think I mentioned this before. I do have like criticisms about Okada. like iwg yeah. matches they generally start out very slow and stuff like that and like yeah, yeah. and um so i was kind of going and going yeah I, I actually did go in thinking we're going to get like the 35 minute main event and it's going to be interminable and i was like oh god right but um like and, and then like i was i was kind of like no just sitting when people were sitting just chatting away and all that and like kind of enjoying the wrestling but i wasn't you no know, fully like on the edge of my seat or anything like that and then like as Okada always does, last five ten minutes, I was out of my seat. I was fucking screaming for Suzuki to get to win it. And I, I as you say, every I think everyone in there at some point thought Suzuki was winning it. And even I and I was full on and it's quite funny because Jackson is a hasy were supporting Okada it's <laughs> like why are you why are you cheering for suzuki we're, we're cheering for Okada he's like, clearly oh, an asshole fuck akada suzuki and like yeah um
2: but, yeah um,
0: I, I mean the opening segment of the match was sort of the map based stuff was like more interesting because suzuki was the one leading. Yeah, his, and, like exactly. he can he can do that sort of stuff really well with his sort of training and shoot style wrestling yeah. and all that sort of stuff it wasn't the usual lethargic uh sort of like headlock fest that uh, you sometimes get yeah. from a card as uh, big matches Like I absolutely I absolutely loved it I can't have uh, yeah, any complaints there was also like something very nice about seeing a big Tanahashi title win I say big as the Rev Pro title but you know like um, uh, Tanahashi yeah. going over with the high fly flow in front of a like adoring crowd of several thousand um, there's something that felt uh, very right about it in the same yeah, way cool. it always does like when Tanahashi won the belt at Wrestle Kingdom this year and you're like do we really need to do this in the main event of Wrestle Kingdom, like for the umpteenth time, but when you're there watching it,
1: like, yeah,
0: um, like there's you know, something about it which just makes you think that like all is well with the world.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, it, it
0: was it was fantastic. Like I I had a I had a, I had a great time. Crowd was generally good as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I enjoyed. I especially enjoyed the Ishii Kent match. actually had the odds, you know, grand one, but uh, in in the crowd. Oh, uh, there was.
0: The, I think they were all sitting behind me. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, because
0: like the kind of people who like, because like I mean. Uh, if you were there, like it's, it's kind of obvious that like Kenta got concussed to fuck off something. Uh, yes. During that match, and there was a couple of like noticeable stuff, and you can you can tell that like behind me were the sort of cunts who are just like they've got like an itchy trigger finger, just like waiting to chant Botchamania at something. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And
0: you, you, the the kind of people who like actually mostly ingest wrestling in the form of of memes, uh, you know, put <laughs> across by other fucking imbeciles. Yeah. Uh, so um, so I think they are all clustered behind me, and I was just I was just thinking, oh fucking hell, like uh, it's one of those, is it? But you know. Whatever, yeah. it, it didn't affect my uh, enjoyment of the show very much.
1: Uh, yeah, only I, I didn't really have many gremlins about me or anything like that. Although Jackson literally met everyone, as in like his entire past came back, 'cause every we were <laughs> Oh watching god, that sounds butt. bad. <laughs> yeah. And the like the copper box you like when we're walking to the copper box he next up oh this guy did sound in in, in like stereo all oh, right no bar eyes hi and then walking along we like Keir how are you doing mate and then be like all these like different people like he must have met like about like five or six people from like his Glasgow like past like working in stereo and stuff like that and it's like and they, they all just apparently had turned up for for the wrestling it was, it was quite mad. Uh, but yeah, it was it, it was really wonderful.
0: Um it was a um, great day. Yeah, it was. And we um we had um uh Wrestle Queendom, which we haven't talked about on the podcast. Uh yeah. Yeah. So sort of um interest in terms of Japanese wrestling, uh yeah, we had the uh, four wrestlers from Stardom coming over and yeah. doing the usual doing the usual great shit that they're uh, that they're known for. Um so that was uh, that that was just like that was a really good show as well. I'm not sure it was I go back and forth on whether it was better than the first one.
3: Mm. I think
0: the best matches on the first one were uh, better than on Wrestle Kingdom two. Yes, but um, I think that uh, I think overall the average quality of the matches may have been better. But yeah. like uh, I mean, it was just uh, another another triumph, and uh, there was just some like really really good wrestling. Uh, some friends of mine came who hadn't really uh, seen. Well, one one of them like, it was her second wrestling show and so uh, and they they absolutely uh, loved it they're, they're uh, stage actors so they've got quite an interesting perspective on things but um, again it was nice to uh Nice to get together for that. Uh, So, yeah, okay. So um, what we're going to do for you is we're going to do three matches from the 1980s featuring um, future greats of Japanese wrestling who, when they were sort of up-and-comers, would get sent on excursion, as is traditional. Mostly uh, these wrestlers would get sent to America, but some of them found their way into British wrestling. And um, as for how they were presented, we'll uh, we'll Well. sort of get into that. Um so our uh, first match is from um uh, joint promotions the 11th of October 1980 uh, features uh, cyanide Sid Cooper versus a chap by the name of uh, Sammy Lee uh, not the former Bolton assistant manager unfortunately but um uh, Satoru Sayama, who we've mentioned on the podcast multiple times who will go on to become the famous junior heavyweight Tiger Mask um as for the uh, last name Lee and why it was called that um uh kung fu movies were very popular at the moment. And there was a tendency for uh, wrestlers who came over from Japan to be billed as distant cousins of Bruce Lee. Uh the very much not Japanese uh Bruce Lee. Believe it or not, this is not the uh, not the only match we will cover on this episode <laughs> in which a Japanese wrestler is heavily implied that they are a cousin of Bruce Lee. So uh yeah, this is this is what we're dealing with. So um
1: is this like the Japanese equivalent like in British wrestling is the Japanese, the Japanese equivalent of a trialist <laughs> You know, they just have, like, any Japanese wrestlers so just something Lee. Uh, do you know what I mean? Like, um, Kazuchika Lee. Yeah, it,
0: um, it's like sort of the... Uh, yeah, or well, like a, a John Doe.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, it's just it's just a yeah, a, genetic, a genetic surname. But I I, I, ha, I, have to raise the question here, and this may be where the podcast ends, because uh, we're going to get absolutely doxxed. I quite like this gimmick. I quite like the Bruce Lee gimmick. I think, like...
0: It's it's of its time. I mean, they go in; they do go all in on it. Oh yeah. Um, um, they, I mean, uh, there was a certain fascination with martial arts figures at the time. Um, there were, I mean, there were other wrestlers, obviously, like the greatest Japanese wrestler of all time, besides Yokozuna, Kendo Nagasaki, uh, being a big uh, big name in British wrestling. You don't know uh, man, how accurate time. that
1: statement is in the UK. Like people who are not from the UK, that may sound like a really funny joke. That's probably accurate in terms of if you ask people to name. Three Japanese wrestlers. They probably get those two, and maybe what Togi? Yeah, maybe. Maybe like, if um, it as a kid, uh, But yeah,
0: like there was also uh Kung Fu. That was literally the wrestler's name. He was a white
1: English bloke. Oh, he's from Belfast, is um, he not? Was oh, like, was he, was he, he was from Belfast? I think he was from Belfast. Oh god, I've really. really I think probably, there was uh, like I, to be fair. I think there might have been like two or three Kung Fu's, but I'm sure one of them was from Belfast. The um, one I'm
0: thinking of is the one who had the um. He had a mask and he said he would uh, take it off if he, the first time he was defeated. And there's a really good match he had with uh, Mick McManus. Yeah. Uh, where McManus won and then Kung Fu had to unmask because it turned out he wasn't like Asian at all, um, which is a co- common theme in terms of uh, unmasking of wrestlers in the world of sport era. <laughs> um, yeah. But
1: um, Sammy Lee, um, hailing from. where? Where is he hailing from, uh, George? Uh, um, it is a town
0: called uh toiko toiko um, um... it's uh, it's very near Koito. yeah <laughs> and yakahoma um i wish yeah, i was it... just
1: quick enough to make a joke like that i was trying i was trying to wrap the brain and i just couldn't jumble the words.
0: you say quick i'm literally just rearranging vowels in place names it's hardly fucking like daniel Kitson <laughs> um but yeah he is um as a uh, m- not a martial arts sensation, a martial sensation,
1: which implies he's
0: some sort of uh, Fash army guy. Yeah, he really and... loves like
1: Boyd Race albums, like that, you know, like, <laughs> or, he's really, really... or
0: like uh, slightly disappointing Man United strikes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, he comes out in the full fucking uh, bride from Kill Bill costume. I'm sure that that costume in Kill Bill is based on some martial arts film I haven't seen. Don't doubt me. Uh, and a uh, headband and a kendo stick.
1: I believe it's from *Amen the Dragon*. Um, oh, is it? My, okay, I mean,
0: that would uh, that would make yeah, sense.
1: Um, have you ever heard the comedian Phil Wang? Uh,
0: n-
3: I've heard of him. Yeah.
1: yeah, he he wore this outfit on all eight episodes of Taskmaster. Um, oh fantastic every week um, figure hugging is the word that, that I would use for it um, you certainly oh, saw excellent. Phil and Wang um, <laughs> so I, don't, I think Simon Lee got away with it here but yeah I believe it's from of the Dragon
0: and there is uh, some fucking heat for uh, Sid Cooper. Um, says uh, he says he's announced as a tough guy from Leeds. Then it says uh, Soho in brackets uh, under his uh, under his name, which is now I'm I'm I live in Leeds and I, I don't know if there's no Soho here, so uh, make that number two in terms of uh, in terms of fuck ups with the graphics, um, or maybe it's um, like I don't know. Maybe they announce him from uh, Soho because well, you know, Soho had that sort of uh, cachet with the sort of LGBT scene
1: at the time. Yeah, yeah, as well, yeah. It's
0: maybe, like, the heel equivalent of... You know when, like, that time in the mid-2000s where Vince McMahon got this thing in his head that, like, people wouldn't cheer canadians as faces <laughs> and suddenly uh, chris jericho was announced as being from manhasset new york and uh, chris benoit was uh, announced as now residing in atlanta georgia and all that sort of stuff yeah like uh, it might it might be that and uh, the other thing that interested me was that uh, and this is the case with all three of these matches actually uh, that we're covering is the japanese guy's face yeah and <laughs> um if you ever watched uh, a lot of world of sport um you know uh, sort of the ethnic minority uh, being the face was certainly not always the case, um, and uh, well, I mean the most famous example of this being uh, actually uh, Kung Fu once again, and Pete Roberts versus Johnny Kincaid and Dave Bond, the, uh, the Caribbean Sunshine Boys. And um, the, the thing is, I feel back because I I love that match, and uh, Johnny Kincaid and Dave Bond are really good heels in it.
1: Yes. And yes. they
0: get great heat, but you can tell quite a lot of it is because they're black.
1: I mean, put it this way, right? And I think, is that the match where they cut a promo at the end? Oh, I don't
0: know. I know they were never on TV again.
1: <laughs> right, well, yeah, because the wrestling channel got this. Like, the wrestling channel got that. And they had to, like, edit the promo out. Now, this is the company that used to show, like, CZW shows. Oh, God. Of, like, hideous, like, razor glass barbed wire death matches and all that. That's fine. But, yeah, even, even they were like, hmm... You know what, this is a bit ripe
0: for us Um, (laughs) I mean that's the the other point actually A lot of this world of sports stuff is just uh, The stuff that's on YouTube is like a lot of it's ripped from the wrestling channel and like the, yes. the tapes the wrestling channel got from itv is basically just whatever itv released so you know when when society collapses can we like sort of can we just storm the itv archive and like just liberate the like thousands of hours I mean, of world of sport footage honestly they've clearly the first, got
1: it's the first thing uh, like me you and daniel will literally meet for the first time together to fucking raid the world of sport archives I and mean, we're going to be part of like some anti militia i want instead some of, like
0: I just want some more fucking the- Alan Sargent matches, like.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, I, I'm doing it for Otani's jacket um, on the PWO forum, so it's a DVD VR, I can't remember, but Otani's uh, jacket's some guy from New Zealand who was like a world of sport expert in the mid-2000s, He just always just constantly post about it, he, I don't think he's online, I don't think he, he's got a Twitter or anything like that, I'd love to. If Otani's jacket, if you're listening to this, please contact us, because I'd love to just pick your brain.
0: <laughs> please join the course.
1: In. <laughs> yes, exactly.
0: Um, um, so yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's uh, get into uh, actually before the before the match starts. Um, uh, Cooper sort of mouthed off a bit, and uh, Sammy Lee just whacks him on the head with the kendo stick. It's wonderful. It's so <laughs> and then he good. does like it's, it's fucking. So five or six incredible martial arts kicks in a row Um ken walton on commentary so just says this is bruce lee all over as if it wasn't fucking obvious enough what you were going for with this
1: he said as well I, 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 this is not a verbatim quote but it's a general gist if you look at him from far enough away it kind look. So a bit like bristly, you know. Does like, he though? <laughs> come on, come on, come on Ken. My Kevin.
0: my favorite bit of this sort of opening passage is that um, uh, Sid Cooper for some reason takes a front flip bump off a kick to the back of the head, which is uh, must have hit him with an awful lot of uh, momentum, and uh, and then Samuel Lee does another spinning kick and hits a crossbody out of the corner for three. <laughs> That's the first fall. It took about forty seconds.
1: Yeah, it was it was wonderful. Honestly, it was, pro- it was uh, one of, probably the best forty seconds of wrestling I've seen in. No, oh yeah it was, it was amazing newsflash so that's who
0: was remember, was quite good at the wrestling uh, spicy take <laughs> IMO and, um, and I, I, I love with your half-baked <laughs> excuses I, I also loved that just after the pin where uh, Sid Cooper tried to go to the top rope to uh, complain about uh, Sammy Lee going up there and just fell off
1: oh yeah it was such a pratfall like signing Sid Cooper I knew of him right and like I'd, yeah. I'd seen a bit before when I, when I wasn't as much into world of sport my God! How I mean, he
0: was He's one of the—I so mean, mo- the guys He's who got the wonderful. most heat in British wrestling at that time. Um- uh, another one being Jim Brakes. There actually is a Sammy Lee versus Jim Brakes uh, match out there, but uh, in view of um, sort of mm. what Jim Brakes did quite recently, mm. I don't th- think we're going near that. If you want to,
1: if you don't like to watch matches where people call, you know, Japanese guys Bruce Lee's cousin, then, yeah, you're not going to watch a Jim Brakes match, let's be honest. Yeah, it's, no. It's not he happening. He's a
0: murderer, so, yeah, let's just yes. uh, leave that alone. Like, and Let's, uh, <laughs> let's have a lovely old Sid Cooper with this uh, uh, to sort of take the heel role. He's he got a, such a amount of heat, and he's got... I think got the greatest sort of combination of world of sport here, where he's just just a mouthy prick, but he's also in the great William Regal tradition. And this is why William Regal is so great as well. Like, great, snug, technical wrestler, (coughs) but also he is not afraid to look like an absolute wally.
1: Yes, yeah, exactly. That is is Sinai Sid Cooper's absolute strength. And it is a lost art these days of people just heels being able to just look like absolute silly pricks and just you know it's it, it honestly like in world of sport and stuff like that it was the golden age of people and like utter prats and um it, i don't know it's it's very strange the, the dynamic no company really does it anymore it's very strange
0: no i mean um uh, uh the work queens and eve recently have been doing a sort of uh debbie kytel and valkyrie of like from uh, uh ott um the last time i saw them at eve they were basically just it was like a 10-minute match where they basically just like fucking ran into each other i think like about half of their offense accidentally ended up um connecting with their tag partner um so like uh, that that was just that was just a really good time uh so there's a few people doing it but um like um so uh, yeah the uh got the second fall starts like uh uninitiated uh, this is being done under the mount Evans rule so this was the um uh, the round system which you might uh, know british wrestling for and yeah. um so basically what you do you have a certain number of rounds and uh, i think they would last like uh like 3 minutes or 5 minutes or whatever and then um, once uh, someone got pinned or submitted then a round would end best yeah. two out of three or it would be um uh, it would be a knockout if you, you if you won by knockout that was it like so he didn't have to get two of them. Uh, so we get the second four. So it's all two out of three falls, like pretty much. Uh, so uh, Cooper begs off to start the second four, which I love the idea that he's still selling. And uh, he tries holding Lee's arms behind him, but gets a jumping mule kick, at which point um, uh, Kent Walton, who was, yeah, uh, for all his foibles, a uh, pretty knowledgeable guy to do with wrestling worldwide, uh, said that um, uh, Sammy Lee was trained by the great Carl Gotch from uh, Augusta, Florida. Like, Can we get the hometown of one person right on this broadcast? <laughs> Like, please! (laughs) I wonder where he may be residing. He was pretty Belgian. He was pretty Belgian. I mean, he can't be get just fucking like if we could do a seance and get him in for AEW because like it can't be worse than JR. (laughs) Uh, At least he'd know everyone's names and wouldn't just be calling them the little Japanese. To be
1: fair, I mean, I mean, do you remember the the uh, the sex man at Double or Nothing Road? the lads from China. It was like Shima. The l- like, yeah <laughs> it was like free dragon gate guys the lads from China
0: yeah like uh, Excalibur trying to like correct him and like but mind you JR's got form for seeing the uh I think 2005 Royal Rumble, he gets it into his head that um, uh, Charlie Haas is Rene Dupree, and to be fair, like WWE were putting loads of like very generic media like white muscle men on the roster, so you can see yes. why he he, he would always be referred to Rene Dupree and Tazblazer Charlie Haas there, and he does it twice, and then Charlie Haas gets uh, <laughs> and JR just goes oh, au revoir. <laughs> 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 that's uh, sadly only the second funniest thing to happen in that rumble because that's the one where Vince tears his <laughs> but um, it's very good shit so I uh, uh <laughs> a classic for the ages five stars at the very least um five stars on the grapple app um so back to the uh back to the match um <laughs> Sammy Lee flips out of a snapmare that's what I was trying to say a spinning back kick does the same thing again and then Cooper does what Sid Cooper does sort of slows the match down and then Sammy Lee flips out again he, he, he fucking loves flipping out of stuff kip ups like front flips um he would he, he does a uh sort of wrist lock of his own and Sid oh, Cooper yeah. bumps with a big silly yelp which I um <laughs> uh really enjoyed oh
1: it's comical selling which is absolutely wonderful it's, it's so much fun um it's great like it's so funny because like Cooper just can't get any momentum and you can just see him getting more and more raging about the fact that he just can't do anything, just sell him more and more. It's wonderful, yeah, he's so good. So, I mean, the, the spectacular offence from uh,
0: Sayama here is miles ahead of its time. Like, um, I mean, I know it's a cliche when sometimes you see this about the uh, the AJW stuff when we did that uh, episode about their Budokan Hall show in 85. Uh, uh, but, I mean, you know, you can really see it here. There's the kick where he sort of do- kicks and does a backflip at the same time. And Will has been doing that recently and, like... So, in case you're thinking like that's innovative offense, this is uh, nearly forty years ago.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, like yeah, uh, like there is like it's 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 deceptively fast in terms of like we world of sport. Obviously, I I enjoy the world of sport. And I enjoy it a lot more than I do other wrestling of the time periods, because I feel it's got a it's got a uniqueness to it. Whereby you um. They work a unique style, and it is, it is run at a quick pace. Like, I would say, like, you know, in terms of, what like, the transitions to holds and stuff like that, they they are, they, they do do it at, you know, at a, it's not a leisurely pace. It's not like your usual, you know, working over holds at your WWE stuff, or even, like, you know, as you were saying before about Okada in, like, the first 10 minutes. Like, the pace between that and, say, like, your, you know, your average New Japan feeling out process and stuff like that, it, it is quite fast, and, um, but... It's, even for my, even for myself, knowing you know that they can work at a sort of it's not lightning fast, i but it's an accelerated pace. But Sammy Lee coming out and just looked incredible. The pace that he had in this match, um, looked it it was it was wonderful, and like you can clearly see that this sort of stuff it really gelled well with the the world of sports style, and it it. The fact that it had a, a sort of quick pace really lent into this sort of stuff where he could do that and he knows that the other people can keep up and stuff like that. It's not going to look odd, if you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, and I mean, this is the same year as that uh, Nick Bockwinkel Billy Robinson match we reviewed. <laughs> and like, you know, I mean, I really like that match, but like, you uh, you marry up the pace of that with this, like, uh, there's no comparison. They have different things to recommend them, but uh, it just goes to show that not all wrestling of this uh, time period was sort of fairly glacially paced there was actually stuff like this um the other thing i uh more, more sort of good heel stuff. He does the uh, Sid Cooper does some uh, stomps and then he stalls on the apron and does the sort of the the finger pointing to the head from that Eddie Murphy meme. And uh, then he gets cross chopped and side kicked in the head. <laughs> so that, that was very good as well. Um, also, another thing I love about Kent Walton's commentary is he he has credibility because he's not trying to put everything over as a possible match ender. So um, uh, Sid Cooper gets a leg lock and he says, "Ask him to the ref and Kent Walton," rather than selling the idea that. Sammy Lee might tap out just chuckles and says this man says he's going to submit from that <laughs>
1: <laughs> wonderful there was, there was a there was a really fun hold that I seen it was it was made of holding like Cooper's arms behind his back I can't remember what it's called oh but yeah so he's sticking his foot in between the shoulder blades yeah he got that like, foot pretty high that was amazing yeah yeah It's it's quite mad. It was wonderful.
0: Um, You know, that's how round two ends, actually. And uh, Cooper attacks after the bell and gets uh, the first of what will be many on this episode, a public warning. (laughs) A
1: public warning. I
0: fucking love public warnings. Like, yeah, we didn't have the yellow card like in uh, Pride Fighting Championships. But, um, oh, I do love a public warning. I don't know if it's like, is it like in football, if you get five public warnings, uh, like in your career, like, do you have to miss a match or something?
1: Yeah, um I basically like signed into the Cooper's basically Stuart Bannigan, he's just putting up public warnings all over the place. <laughs> um yeah. Oh, uh, side note, yeah, I might I'll probably just cut this out to be honest. You know how you know how we were talking at the West Ham game on Saturday about how Stuart Bannigan got red carded and I told you it was because he was a head case. Yeah. It turns out that yeah, um the the, top, the 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 tackle is utterly horrific. Like spectacularly like it was referred to as a castration jesus um, yes um so yeah I'll, I'll send you a link to it but yeah it I, I saw i saw they horrific. both got sent
0: off for fouling the same bloke as well And yeah. <laughs> a torrid afternoon bloody hell um so uh then uh, yeah so uh, get get the public warning um i think the it's basically three strikes and you're out as far as i know
1: yeah, the, I believe uh, it's to the. Pr- I think that's where the pure wrestling rules came in because remember an ROH pure title. When oh it was, yeah. Instead of the public warnings, it was a uh, rope breaks, You had three rope breaks, so they would um they, they used to do that where the public warnings instead of as a public warning you lost a rope break. So if you got obviously got three, um if you ran out of rope breaks and then did another public warning, you got disqualified. So it, it seems it's very much all that. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was three public warnings. because certainly in another match if, uh, someone got at least two. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! In
0: the second match, we'll get to that one. Um, so uh, into round three, uh, Cooper stretches uh, Samuel Lee over his knee and uh, hits some closed fist uh, punches. Lee fights back with his strikes, and then he gets a drop kick, which clearly fucking completely missed. Like um, he he jumped too high for Sid Cooper's head. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's how great an athlete Sayama was. And um, Kent Walton saying, uh, got him on the side of the head uh, rather than the front, which is basically the uh, World of Sport uh, version of he didn't get all of that.
1: You didn't get all of that.
0: <laughs> and then uh, Cooper goes for a big uh, charge and um, lead as the sort of bullfighter manoeuvre and... Uh, uh, Cooper accident absolutely fucks himself out of the ring and gets counted <laughs> out and uh sammy lee wins by a uh, two four to zero so that was the uh that was the match i love i fucking love a two out of three falls match ending by two four to zero by the way yes it's so good it's just a route, isn't it it's just it's so good It's yeah. it's wonderful um, uh, and there's no like there's no happy there's no happy medium with this like two one big heart fort match two zero annihilation like, yeah exactly no
1: Exactly yeah, you could grannied, that's 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 the the phrase. So do, do you know that phrase, granied
0: um I only saw it um on uh, Twitter the other day because I think some like Scottish football team's accountant had um had referred to someone grannying something into the top corner,
1: yeah, I saw it in essentially you know in pool. Uh, yes. Pool. Yeah. You know how if you if you get beat by somebody and they pot all of their balls and you pot nothing. Oh uh, right. Uh, you've you've been grannies. Ah, uh, we as, uh, we referred completely... to that
0: as a a dickin on when I was at university. So like I guess it's a similar sort of thing. Uh, but speaking of grannies, actually, um, did were you on Granny Watch for uh, the uh, the audiences in this? Uh... Yes.
1: Yeah, with their bricks and their handbags. <laughs> no, I, I, tell you, <laughs> I, tell you, I tell you, anyone,
0: anyone who doesn't know about uh, uh, World of Sport, um, if you think the the fucking mutants at the ECW arena were uh, were uh, <laughs> violent hardcores, like uh, fucking old women at uh, World of Sport, My yeah, wife. jabbing people with knitting needles.
1: Yeah, like you know how like we we have that thing where like. Uh, like they, they certainly in WWE and like NXT UK and stuff like that when it started the perception was that all British wrestlers are like hard-boiled like, strews <laughs> of men
2: and oh, like I love
1: maybe, that so I've much seen, I've, seen, I've seen a man die when I was nine you know stuff like that and they're like these are like the toughest men in the world these people are just being unimaginable horrors that that extends to the grannies, right? Yeah. The grannies, they said, the grannies like were probably wrestling when they were like twi- like eighteen as well. Like they've they've seen combat, right? And they they are absolutely like they love, uh, they love just abusing the wrestlers and just like, and, you know, people always talk about like Puerto Rico and stuff or like, the territories and like back in the territories, you know, people used to like meet them in the car park. The grannies yeah. had absolutely no qualms about just fucking stabbing you with knitting needles or the, the, the famous one is the handbag they'd always hit with a handbag and on TV you'd be like oh that's quite funny hitting you hit with a handbag and there would be an actual brick inside yeah that's because... no, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Philadelphia San Juan no Walthamstow mate that's where you get the real fucking violence the
1: Lusham Feet are oh man
0: Fuck, fucking love it so uh, yeah I um, goes without saying absolutely adored this match thought it was fantastic
1: this is, this is fucking wonderful. This was so so good, and it's it, I yes, I know it's incredibly problematic. We can iron out the wrinkles. Yes. I want a Bruce Lee gimmick in <laughs> in twenty nineteen. <2019. laughs> I, mean, I, I don't care where. Like, just give me a man who loves Bruce Lee films. Right? Doesn't need to be Japanese. He should. He certainly shouldn't be Japanese. Like, so, let's like, be yeah. clear. I want okay. basically this is this would be my dad's favorite wrestling match of all time. Oh, I'm saw. sure. I mean, um,
0: if, if, I mean, if you think problematic Asian gimmicks are a thing of the past in uh, British wrestling, let me give you three and a half words: the Great O'Khan.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's called the Great Okan for a reason because he's amazing. Like,
0: Cause he's, cause he's cool. half
1: Irish. I am. <laughs> I am the Great Okan. You will go where I go. And defile what I defile. do I? two might.
0: <laughs> fantastic um so uh, um yeah no, this I, is
1: this is wonderful I'll
0: go as far as so to brilliant. say I, I like this more than every uh Tiger Mask vs Dynamite Kid match
1: oh yeah blows it away absolutely blows it away don't at um, me don't at me with your half-baked opinions <laughs> And <laughs> um, this oh this is wonderful and one of my favourite things about this I still become a recurring theme um I wish it wasn't, but it is. A recurring theme. Um, I looked at the YouTube comments.
0: For oh, this. oh, fuck. I, I right. think I know what I did this to. I think I know what one you're going to say.
1: Right. No, no, no. So I, I don't have a specific comment. However, uh, well, I might read out uh, one of them. But I found two celebrity commenters, because this was uploaded like 11 years ago. Oh, brilliant. Um, uh, so there's a comment on here by Jervis Cottonbelly of Chicago. Oh, wow. And one Christopher Charlton oh, from 2011. And all he puts, all he says is, it's a timestamp, 150, um, hyphen, that's racist.
0: (laughs) I mean, I think he could have probably put more than one timestamp. Yeah,
1: I I don't think he had the time. But yeah, it's so mad that there's a guy who, you know, there's a guy who literally does commentary for New Japan against TVSI as well. But, you know, he's been sticking up for the Japanese for a long, long time and yeah, it's it, it's quite it's quite wonderful that Chris Charlton and Jervis Cotton Bailey both commented on this back in their previous immortal days before they became like famous.
0: It's I mean, quite wonderful. Those are some of the least cursed youtube comments you're going to find so that's uh... yeah
1: oh we'll, well we'll get to that in
0: the next one oh for and fuck's really sake like... good um... right okay let's uh let's get on to the next one then um so uh yeah that uh brings us on to the next match which is uh, another joint promotions match it was uh taped on the 19th of january 1983 and it is giant haystacks versus uh quick kick lee aka uh kira maeda uh right right these names man for fuck's sake right
1: yes mate yes mate this this is the this is the stuff that, that uh, makes me wake up in the morning and want to live <laughs> just this 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 is the wind beneath my wings george <laughs> uh,
0: quick kick lee jesus like okay like <laughs> that is not a name quick kick is not a name that people have like sammy i can understand it
1: but have you Have you never met a man called Quick Kick, no?
0: I've never met a man called Quick Kick, uh, strangely enough. But, you know, I'm only 29, so uh, my uh, life is uh, a bit young, comparatively so. Anyway, uh, uh, not compared to some of these cunts. Uh, But um, firstly, giant haystacks for the uninitiated. Just a bit of background. In case for the uninitiated. In case Come you, on, George. Look, I know at least like two Americans listen to this. Um, you remember Loch Ness, right? It was him. Right, no, sorry. So, um, uh, John Haystacks. So, there were basically two names that are kind of synonymous with uh, British wrestling for people of a certain generation. Whenever you talk to people of a certain age in this country, uh, you mention wrestling to them, they will mention uh, Big Daddy and John Haystacks. So, Big Daddy was the top face in British wrestling of this time, and John Haystacks was the top heel. And uh, not only were they uh, big rivals, uh, just in terms of their, or firstly, their very large stature, but also was uh, the symbolism. Uh, big Daddy was a sort of uh, John Bull sort of figure, you know, coming out in the Union Jack. And um, John Haystacks was uh, from uh, Salford in Manchester, but of Irish descent. And you, so you've sort of got this sort of, I guess, almost centre versus the periphery sort of thing. You've got the symbol of English nationalism versus this sort of wild man um and so the big daddy
1: was the face
0: yeah 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 <laughs> yeah i i know it was fucking yeah. weird right so uh yeah the sort of the uh the little englander was was in fact the good guy i mean yeah, just to show you what a different time we're uh <laughs> we're uh, currently covering uh and uh yeah so basically they were big uh rivals uh Pretty much all the matches between them like lasted about three minutes and it was the the archetypal human Conquers match, as uh, David often uh, often puts it. But this was uh, not one of these. This was um, the other type of giant haystacks match which was uh, Giant <laughs> X-Tex absolutely demolishes uh, a much smaller guy in short order. Now, I love this shit. And I was arguing this with uh, someone at the weekend. Um, It might be new, actually, is that uh, MMA fans, as much as they like to talk about, you know, catch wrestling and Brazilian jiu-jitsu and all the technical aspects of it, uh, what they actually really want at the core of their very id is a really skinny guy, res- like fighting a really fat guy.
1: Yes, it's what we all want. Is, that is, is
0: the Plus Ultra of combat sports. Uh, and this match uh, delivers it in uh, spades. It also managed to spell Tokyo correctly this time.
1: Um, I mean, which you no second time, Marky. Okay. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Took them a three, well, it's 1983 now, so it's a three years of uh, what I can assume is consistently misspelling it um, in order to get it correctly. Uh, no rounds here, um, which I... I like the fact that that is a gimmick match. Yeah, you know, British absolutely. wrestling. It's like uh, RVD and ECW. Like he would do what he would call Monday Night uh, Wrestling rules, and that was basically uh,
1: the stipulation was you could be DQ'd. Ah, <laughs> uh, dub. Um, yes. Uh, um, and yeah, my favorite thing about the fact that um, they correctly, uh, you know, uh, spelt Tokyo is where he's hailing from It's quite funny, seeing as he was born in Osaka.
0: Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, they were all from Tokyo. I mean, I guess it's slightly better than like the WWE and the Two thousands, whereas like everyone was announced as from Japan.
1: Yes, from Japan. Oh, like, was, was you. suppose you get this? Like with, with English wrestlers as well, where everyone is from like Paddingtoners or, or Pimlico, or you know, some really nice bridge. Cheeryho, yeah. Yeah. Um, from from the manners of Westminster, you know. I mean, like just really daft, but um, yeah. So you know, it's a step up, I suppose. Because
0: every country in British wrestling is from London. <laughs> that's, the, that's the that's the problem Yeah. <laughs> First great Kent Waltonism. Uh, of this, uh, never, never one for uh, exaggeration, uh, describes uh, John Haystacks as a 40 stone lad. <laughs> I have never heard John Haystax described as a lad before. That seems somehow diminutive and wrong. <laughs>
1: I mean, he's, he, he's you know he's representing the Irish, so he is oh, okay. part no, of the he's lads.
0: The part of the lads, obviously, yes. Big
1: bag of cans of the forty stone lads. <laughs> that is a very big bag of cans, though. We've got, yeah, we've got in this match. Um, now, you obviously mentioned about haystacks, about how he's forty stone and stuff like that, and as well as that, I believe he is built here as oh what six foot height? eleven, I think six foot, six foot eleven, right? It's a big now, boy. Um, I'm going to put on the hazmat suit here, George, <laughs> because. It turns out that there's some people who don't believe the giant haystacks is six foot eleven.
0: Jesus, next um, you'll be telling telling me that giant barboard isn't seven foot three.
1: Yeah, you know how um Meltzer's really annoying?
0: <laughs> Do I?
1: Let let that let that pause for a minute. Because he keeps referring to under the giant's height. Uh, <laughs> he's it, a height trooper. Well imagine if you got like forty Dave Meltzers. And then got him to comment do, under the giant video. No. Oh. God. Um, um, it's just people going, well, actually, if you watch Maida's match for Alexander Karelin, and you'll see he's only like two feet, no, only like two inches lower than him and he was six foot four. So <laughs> uh, and it's like and they they just go into like stupid microscopic detail. All the height troughers going giant haystacks is actually like five foot three. Um and like, you know, they're just I, the whole point is he's huge, right? Yeah. The, I, the, fig, the figures don't matter. Nobody f- literally cares.
0: Fucking hell, it's like reading the Iliad and complaining that, like, Homer said that Hector was, like, 15 foot tall. Like, the literal height is not the issue. It's meant to illustrate the fact he's a big fucker.
1: Yes, and it's... 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 Honestly, it's, it's like every internet discussion, it just goes on for for days uh, about... How, and, you know, like, uh, it's... So I'm um, I'm really glad I I didn't grow up to be a YouTube commenter <laughs> because I could have been. I, I
0: yeah, well yeah, I think there, but for the grace of God, go both of us
1: yeah exactly um but yeah uh, but I also like to refer to um giant haystacks. you forgot to mention the fact that he is the proud holder of the nineteen eighty two all nations heavyweight Cup for the most prestigious prize in pro wrestling
0: ah uh, i i what what I love is there's a bit in the um in this match in which um giant haystacks chokes uh, quickly in the ropes and gets a warning uh rather rather than calling it uh, Kent Ken Bolton is putting over the fine metalwork of the trophy,
1: yes. Um, he won it in Bremen, and it was like he, he kind of put it as like this was like you know in, you know in kickboxer or blood sport when you get yeah. like, all the mad martial arts around the world. He kind of summed it up with like that, but in Bremen, and I was like, this is me. I bet it was a pre-season trophy. This is <laughs> this is it. This is like the Emirates Cup or the Utrecht <laughs> Trophy. Like, this is, you know, I mean, this is the Premier League Asia trophy all over it. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is this I mean, it, it pre-season.
0: Cl- I mean, tournament in Bremen, that is clearly an Otto Vance joint, uh, that is. Yeah, um, yeah I, th-
1: I think it would have probably, to be honestly it probably was a catch-wrestling. Like, uh, catch oh, I'm catch I'm certain it
0: was. I mean, to be yeah. fair, it does look a nice trophy. It's not like in um, uh, when someone wins a title match in Stardom and they get the trophy, <coughs> and it, they've clearly only got one trophy they just use for every single match, because, like, the top of it wobbles in the exact
1: same way each time. <laughs> I, re- I really hope that you're wrong on that, and that you go into, like, fucking, you know, Hazke's house, and she's got, like, you know how, like, Graham old probably has like, a room <laughs> full of, like, Match of the Day, Gold of the Month trophies, and, like, PFA Writers Awards and stuff like that, and, like, you know, like, playoff winner's medals and all that. I really hope that, like, that's the case for, like, you know, just, you know, everyone in the Stardom, tro- like, they've all got a giant display cabinet full of like oh i beat starlight kids in an undercar match in cork and hey <laughs> uh,
0: momo watanabe's had to like she's had to hire like three storage lockers somewhere in tokyo <laughs>
1: I mean, I, and they, like I, and then like when they all become like you know uh, a bit older when they get in like to their mid 30s and like, like 20 years down the line um they'll all, they'll all start pawning them off on ebay <laughs> And they will just be like peer and be like they've touched it, but they've touched but the it. The natural fingerprints are on it.
0: But the thing is, they'll flood the market and like they they will <laughs> create a lack of scarcity, in they so they won't be able to sell them for much. I, I've I've read the Wealth of Nations, guys, and how this uh, how <laughs>
1: like, this stuff
0: works. That that
1: this I mean, I always saying is it's no ten x sixes, right? Uh, the most prestigious prize in football, but I mean the nineteen eighty two All Nations heavyweight cup might be my favorite. <laughs> I, I, I,
0: I just have visions now of like. Uh, Rossi Agawa having to like reinvest the profits from selling like you Starlight Kid masks for like $700 a throw <laughs> like he's having to go into a sporting goods shop in, in like keep and say I'd like to order 30 trophies please. <laughs>
1: Yeah, like, they just think he runs, like, a, a, a school sports day. <laughs> do you know what I mean? You know, cause you know, you a in a way, he and does, David. On, and it, well, they're, 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 I was waiting for it to set up. I'd, I'd thrown the perfect pitch. I was waiting for it to knock it out of the park. But, you know, like, <laughs> in your sports day, you don't get a Rosetta participation yeah. That's basically Stardom, isn't it? But, like, I really hope that they do have, like, a massive fucking trophy. Like, you know Real Madrid's trophy cabinet? yeah, Probably, yeah. But, like, or, like, Roma with that tree that they won last year, and then they're, they're like, gonna have to put this in a trophy cabinet, they don't have any space. I want that to be the stardom roster. They've all had to hire bigger houses, like, they've got a wing, <laughs> the trophy wing.
0: Oh, that is excellent stuff.
1: Yeah, but oh. um, yeah, and, and, and as well as that giant haystacks before showing his true babyface uh, likeability by um, just giving a middle finger in the crowd, <laughs> apropos of nothing. Yeah, I mean, uh, and
0: and why not? Um, I wonderful. So, sort of rewinding a little bit to how the match starts, there's a, a lock up, uh, quite optimistic on the part of uh, of uh, I'm not going to call him Quick I, I could count on Sammy Lee, but not this. Kira um, Maeda. Uh, Kent Walton says Quick Lee will be able to do nothing wrong in this match, sort of the equivalent of the goalie can only be a hero. In a penalty shootout, um, Akira Maeda. By the way, if, like again, if in case you're unfamiliar with him, like legit became a gigantic name in uh, Japanese wrestling after this, in the same way that Sayama did uh, within uh, shoot style
1: wrestling. Uh, you don't get to see an awful lot of that from him here, uh, but uh, he. But Akira Maeda one that he did, Would him and Siamen not have a match that like, caused the, the split in the UWF because uh, he had this in match?
0: The, in the spuds, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of them wanted the promotion to focus more on strikes and one of them uh, to focus more on uh, submissions. And uh, that came to a head and someone got kicked in the love spuds and... Uh... And there you go. So, yeah, both these guys like went on.
1: That's the pure essence of shoot combat, though, because realistically in a fight, you're just going to kick them in the Yeah, Of course,
0: I've got a red belt in taekwondo. I'm still going straight (laughs) straight for your fucking gonads. Um, But yeah, so uh, um, Maeda tries a a shoulder block and then a um, single leg and uh, tries to get giant haystacks over the top rope. Uh, Kent Walton, if he comes over here, I'm off. Yeah,
1: giant, giant haystacks doing the old Toto Yano routine <laughs> Rick, Rick get him off Right, you're like you're literally eight times the size of this man. You yeah, don't you need to you're like carrying fear on the ropes. You can Long swat him either. like.
0: What I love about this match, probably my favourite thing about it, is that Maeda is trying to get his shit in, like despite the fact that the guy is clearly too big to like, uh, like do any of it on. Like he does this sort of.
1: Um, he tries a uh, fucking back body drop. He does, he does. Um, and yeah. the crowd are agog. The crowd are like, there's no chance in <laughs> hell that you're doing this, but. Fair play for trying it and they're, like, welling them on. I, I love just that. Just to do
0: it. Also, Kent Walton just out and saying, like, Haystacks doesn't usually use a lot of wrestling holds.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: and you know what? Fair play, he is correct. So, um, uh, giant Haystacks, a lot of clubbing blows and, like, um, uh, throat pressing down on uh, Maeda's uh, throat. Um, oh, oh, the other thing I love about it, and I'm talking about Ken Walton a lot, but he's really fucking good, like um, puts over that uh, saying like the ref, uh, being a f- uh, former wrestler, Peter Jacques, um uh, brother of uh, Tibor Zsacac, who was a pretty big name in world of sports back in the day, yeah. uh, says that uh, the ref is too small to force Haystacks to comply with his instructions. It's very much like Giant Haystacks can do whatever he wants. And the only, basically, the only recourse the ref has is the public warning, which um, uh, Haystacks cops two of.
1: Yeah, well, public warning for, he refuses to release a hold in the ropes, right, He gets a public warning, a Haystacks ran in the front row just makes a VAR motion to the referee, <laughs> I, the one thing I, I I loved about this as well is when Haystacks was on offence, which was, let's be honest, most than that, he had it, he, he loved it, he did, he did the old Tony Atlas routine, he just stood in my aid quite a bit, didn't he?
0: uh yeah just, yeah just, it just Atlas it.
1: and like you would if you're a giant haystacks it's, it goes back to again this is a much cited um thing on this podcast my wife's feeding wrestling um if if it was real the big show would win everything because he just sitting in them same giant haystacks would just win all the time because he just stand on them same idea yeah. like do you know what i mean
0: it's, it's yeah it, it is it's like you know the big show does you know, just stuff like that it's like there's a lot of stuff that's quite reminiscent of the big wonderful. show i there.
1: love it who has yeah. wrestled
0: giant haystacks in wcw he has
1: and it was a good match and don't at me right like <laughs> prove me wrong right i loved uh, the giant versus loch ness it wasn't even the worst match on that show
0: not oh, even close <laughs> at least it had like something different about it you know um oh, yeah. there's a uh so uh, Maeda does forearms and drop kicks to absolutely zero effect and gets uh, squished in the corner. Then he... Uh, Haystack just chokes him, just grabs him <laughs> it's, br- it's brilliant. And then like Maeda mounts his like, one comeback of the match, whereby... Uh, you
1: know, oh, uh, one thing, he gets a brain chop, the old Great kali brain yes, chop, where like, yeah. Haystack just chops him in the brain. It's wonderful.
0: And uh, Maeda comes back with the old and comeback. He's got the chops and the palm strikes. And then he really milks the crowd like like a motherfucker before doing a sort of jumping brain chop. This is the point at which we get the uh, second public warning.
1: and uh... Well, I, I have to take umbrage of this public warning, right? Because Maida not only was he refusing to let the whole go in the ropes, he was holding his fucking hair, get the fucking book out, ref, right? <laughs> I'm i I was raging, just screaming like you know that that's at the very least a yellow. Like just screaming, get the fucking Seen book and out. Given. Aye, <laughs> and then and then he does get the fucking book out for giant haystacks, for a punch to the stomach. The game's gone, George. The game is gone. <laughs> I like, care, they're
0: all headphones. Akira <laughs> Maeda is the Diego Costa of wrestling. Actually, that's probably more true than I fucking uh, intended. Just antagonising people into getting themselves
1: books. Ah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> i was, mean, i was i was actually i felt like i was um on the terraces when this happened because i was absolutely apoplectic that maida the face was just getting away with shit I, I, proper willy column shenanigans here of people just not getting fucking booked when they should do it was ridiculous
0: it's it's so good i love it like um so uh then uh basically uh, Haystacks misses a, misses a corner charge which would have absolutely turned uh, Maeda into putty. <laughs> and um, and then in keeping with the, the, the finish, uh, keeping with the um, uh, sort of theme of uh, Maeda trying to get his shit in, uh, does a cross body attempt which is basically try- like trying to cross body Mark Henry, you should never do it um, and no. gets counted into a body slam and then Haystacks hits the big splash and then which is a fantastic dick move rather than uh, pinning Maeda which he easily could do just gets up and waits for him to get uh, get the 10 count this right here is domination to quote uh, the theme music of one Ezekiel Jackson
1: oh <laughs> uh, is, uh, is it? Is it Suddenham's finest export or Guyana's uh,
0: Guyana that was it yeah uh, yeah Guyana
1: wasn't it can't remember I'm sure there is a, uh, rest- no if he was from Suddenham he may have been bow from the Netherlands wouldn't he <laughs> uh, so,
0: <laughs> yeah that's, that's how uh, that uh, generally tends to go um, so this match I think you're probably higher on it than I am. Uh, I, I liked it for what it was, which was a sort of giant haystack squash, which sort of had the uh, extra interest of the uh, unfortunate victim just happening to go on to become an absolute megastar in, uh, well, in Sheepstar and also in uh, New Japan, where it was a real big uh, main event. To, like, yeah. Those uh, those matches him and his lads had with the Noki's lads in, like, sort of around about 1987 time. If you ever yes. see, like, a 10 um, man elimination tag in Oki's army versus. Uh, uh maeda's army on new japan world or whatever fucking watch it because it's always great
1: yeah they're always really good um absolutely um yeah you can pro- you yeah as you can probably like i, I adored this oh of course it's, you did it's like wonderful like um I, again it kind of goes back to that point i'm not watching this for umasawa <laughs> kawada do you know what i mean i'm not watching this to be blown away with work rate i'm watching this like my dad like right, that that's how I watch these matches. Of course. I watch it with my smart cap taken off. I watch it. It's a big fat guy. It's um it's Bruce Lee's cousin. Yeah, like I'm I'm in. And then like, you know, it's just it's just all the it's it vintage like British wrestling in a way and like this is this is if you if you asked people who don't watch wrestling and you asked them to book a match. but book, book a sort of match, you know, from what your understanding of wrestling it probably would end up something like this. And it is it it's real meat and potatoes. It's just sit down well actually I can sum this up in a really wonderful way, because I find a not well not not that wonderful, but um, I found a, a YouTube comment that kinda sums this up. Saturday afternoons, fish and chips, big mug of tea, when wrestlers were heroes and England was a country to be proud of.
0: Oh it's okay. uh, one of those is it? See that, I mean, that line gives me gigantic Brexit party vibes.
1: I mean, if you if you stopped it when wrestlers were heroes,
0: yeah. I uh, I mean that that's also implying that England has ever been a country to be proud of.
1: I mean, yes. Uh, I mean, I would totally agree with that sentiment, George. Um, well, obviously. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, uh, I honestly, it's, it's just it, it takes me back to be. It is it's a very childish way of viewing wrestling. Not childish, as in me 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 me. But I mean, like in terms of you just kind of like you, you just plug out, switch yourself off, and just let it immerse you, and it, it's really good fun. It's something you can watch off a casual, and they, they'll enjoy it. Yeah, and they'll, you know and they'll
0: get it because like it's it's the story being told is very easily communicable. Let's say sort of, yes, exactly. Sort of smaller guy knows his martial arts, but un- unfortunately the other guy is fucking huge. Um, interesting postscript to this match actually. Um, uh, Maeda would go on to uh, wrestle a fairly notorious match against uh, Andre the Giant in uh, yeah. in New Japan, whereby um, basically Andre for whatever reason I don't know if Maeda had done something to piss him off, basically just decided to stop selling and Maeda was a bit in a a bit of a quandary because I think he was meant to win the match but he was like well I mean this guy isn't jobbing unless he wants to and and then oh, right. I think Anoki came out and uh, sort of there was words and then I think Andre just sort of left I don't know my memory of it's a bit fuzzy but like I think I like to think that this is a sort of like um uh breeding ground for this and uh, and that maybe it taught my age a little bit about how to uh, sort of cope in such a situation so anyway that's uh, a sort yes. little uh, little uh, sort of uh, thing to uh mention uh so um going on to the third match I think uh this is um so it's this is this is a very different one um basically what happened in um about the mid 80s uh in british wrestling is there was a sort of splinter promotion so basically uh joint promotions which i mentioned before uh f- again for people who are maybe not familiar with the history uh, was basically the british equivalent of the nwa it was a uh, cartel yeah. who basically carved up the uh, wrestling business into this country into territories. So uh for example, would they go, Okay, you run the shows in Scotland, you run the shows in Wales, you run the shows in Yorkshire, you run the shows in London and so on. And uh basically there were some people who felt that um the product was becoming very stale and especially the heavy focus on the uh you know fairly uh routine and very samey sort of big daddy matches where there wasn't really a sort of um uh place for uh you know new talent to be coming through so there was a splinter promotion called uh, all-star wrestling uh so yeah so basically uh what happened after this uh splinter promotion all-star wrestling was established uh is that um itv rather than having joint promotions doing all of the shows on world of sport um the contract was split up so one week it would be joint promotions one week it would be uh, all-star and then one week it would also be the so it kind of uh, rotated and uh, if you watch this match compared to the other two you will see that the product that all-star wrestling was um presenting was very much jazzier very much more americanized you had uh, entrance music here like you've got graphics on the ring canvas um it's it's altogether more of a sort of uh, showbiz uh style production so the matching i really
1: question... enjoyed the flags because obviously oh that, you
0: get that in C yeah. way as well Like if have ever watched uh big otto vance versus uh vader From uh, Bremen in 1989, which is probably my top 10 matches of all time. You get the anthems, you get the flags, it's all great shit. Um, But yeah, this match is for the uh, World Heavy Middleweight Championship. No idea what uh, weight class uh, that is. But um, All-Star Wrestling from the 13th of June, 1987. It is the champion, uh, Fuji Yamada, defending against Mark Rollerball Rocco. Uh, Fuji Yamada uh, went on to become uh, Jushin Thunder Liger uh so again another massive name in uh, japanese wrestling and cutting his teeth here and having a series of matches against rollable rocco which became very well known as these were two guys who could just uh do great shit with each other um so the uh, uh entrance gear let's talk about uh, talk about that again so we've got the again the sort of japanese aesthetic uh, yamada comes out with a uh, in a kimono with a sword uh, Rollerball rocco has got a uh, he's got a fucking uh, headband with a japanese flag on yep this is the this is the 80s equivalent of getting kanji on your tights when you've done one tour of a uh, fucking triple six wrestling. Yes. <laughs> like, uh, also, we've got um, uh, Rollerball Rocco uh, with his uh, he's got the Japanese headband. He's got the uh, Stars and Stripes singlet. It must be one of those uh, uh, rootless cosmopolitans you uh, hear so much about nowadays. So Sorry, I've just been told that uh, this cosmopolitanism is actually uh, an uh, anti-Semitic uh, trope and that uh, anyone who uses it is uh, an utter melt of the highest order whose politics you should not be engaging with. So just to, just to uh, put that out of there. Um, so uh, the following is uh, scheduled for 15 rounds. Jesus Christ.
1: No, I know, because I left this for last, and peeking behind the curtain I, I didn't finish this match until just before we recorded so i was like oh it won't be that long so this match is scheduled for 15 rounds oh no You're
0: yeah go. it is significantly longer than the other the other two matches that we covered however like i mean thank thank the lord i like this match i don't think i need to see 15 rounds of it um uh liger is fucking jacked he really is he is he, he really really is my god i i i think like obviously the suit make him look um sort of like like a superhero really and sort of and also ageless nowadays like you wouldn't know he's in his uh mid 50s because he's got the mask he's got the suit but like i think it actually did something to camouflage the fact that this guy like he was fucking ripped like he's a, a sort of short stocky guy he's like he's really in shape like uh, so yeah
1: be boy fair play Guess. to that
0: um uh rollable rocco um uh so he's, he's not just doing the japanese headband uh, thing to get into yamada's head he's actually been to japan he was the original black tiger who yes. was um basically the evil version of Tiger Mask? Uh, so basically what they wanted when um, Tiger Mask debuted, they wanted a-, a nemesis for him other than the Dynamite Kid, obviously. And what they wanted was a masked uh villain, but they wanted someone to play it who was used to working with Sayama. So they brought in uh, Mark Rocco, and he was the first Black Tiger. And uh, Black Tiger Two was actually Eddie Guerrero, uh, which is uh, <laughs> so yeah, So that was quite a. Impressive lineage of people who have uh, worn that mask. Maybe not quite as impressive as the lineage of people who have worn a tiger mask.
1: I mean, to be fair, the the
0: third one was Silver King. Oh,
1: fuck, was it?
0: Yeah. Jesus, I I didn't know that. I knew Rocky Romero was doing it at one point. uh, Rocky
1: Romero, no, Silver King was the third one, I believe. Uh, Do
0: you know how? um, Do you know how long Rocky Romero has been doing that gimmick, by the way?
1: How long? Forever. Oh for fuck's sake! Really. <laughs> uh, it was so embarrassing here. That we're probably three k female at an eight thousand capacity arena. Like I know, you no know, throwing stones in glass houses. It was recorded in his fucking house, right? Um, but they're not. they're not playing this at the copper box arena, are they? No, it's it. No, it just.
0: I mean, yeah, they. They. I'm. I. I mean, the good wrestlers are not loving the uh the gimmick. Uh, but but uh, that, that's by the by. Uh, Mark Rocco, manager. Just before we start getting into the match, so um. I think it was I mean I like myself a bit of a TW the uh, sort of wrestling booking sim and uh, I was doing a 1970 playthrough with JWA I don't know if it was 1970 or 1983 I don't know if Rocco was active in 1970 but um, basically I signed him for on one of my saves because I was like oh I can put him on my junior heavyweight division and basically I was going through the wrestler stats out of curiosity and it turned out that like Rollerball Rocco had the biggest sex appeal rating out of anyone on my roster (laughs) I don't know who made this mod, but um,
1: someone who clearly fancied
0: Rollerball Rocko. Fucking love, sort of like Mancunian gremlins with porn star taches. That's uh, that's that's what their king is.
1: I really hope that like whoever that, that there's like another person's done a Tew mod for it sex appeal, but it's one of those guys who puts up the beefcake squashes. <laughs> YouTube, <laughs> the and, job like,
0: fetishists.
1: Yeah, and it's just like you know, you you know, um, oh, what's his name? Fucking. Uh, Jeep Swenson and Gary the ultimate solution, Stridon. yeah,
0: Gary strider yeah, wow,
1: yeah, and Bill Kazmier, and they've got like ninety nine sex appeal, I, just because <laughs> he just I, absolutely, absolutely fancies the pants off Bill Kazmier.
0: I mean, I've seen Bill Kazmier in person at uh, Europe's Strongest Man this year, and the uh, the man just radiates really machismo. Um, I
1: I, 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 I fucking love Bill Kazmier, not in that way. I he, should probably stress. I mean, he's re- he's
0: wrestled Liger. It was one of yes. the battle one of the battle bowl. Um, uh, tournaments in only where they actually did the draw as a random draw and like fucking Bill Kazmaier is having to try and figure out how to work with Jushin Thunder a
1: Rod Stewart picking Bill Kazmaier out of a ball to <laughs> Thunderliger. to out against
0: his <laughs> um, Thunder Scenes. so uh, getting into this match um, I mean it's only you know it's, it's the same decade as the other matches but fucking hell the style is very different this would yes. not look out of place nowadays at all and I'm well, not just talking in terms of like some of the manoeuvres that are being uh, done, but I'm t- talking about in terms of the psychology of the match.
3: Ooh.
0: Like, um, so it's quite it's quite interesting. We start out with like, I mean, there's a vertical suplex in like the first minute. Yeah, I've I've seen that finish matches in uh, like seventies uh, uh World of Sport, uh, quite frequently. Some of the fucking uh, actually some of the matches uh Rolla would have with Marty Jones. I've seen vertical suplex get a fall. Now yeah. it's just, just a spot. This is clearly like they're doing all the stuff that they know how they're getting their shit in. Um, Kent Walton, uh, our first uh, Waltonism of the day, um, says that you might him of the great Sammy Lee, and I've just written does he?
1: though. Does he I
0: mean, I, I I I mean, there's not many commonalities between their styles if you uh, compare the two. Uh, if you compare the two matches, but at least they have established a canon of great ambiguously Japanese wrestlers
1: <laughs> in yeah, world he, of sports. He's, he's... They're they're all pals. They are like they're all in a a working men's club in like Sudobashi. <laughs> uh, the Lee
0: family up. reunion. Uh, <laughs> Your mother married into the family, so he's all right.
1: Yes. Stuart Lee doing some stand up for his cousins.
0: <laughs> Francis <laughs> Lee belting the
1: fuck out of Norman Hunter. <laughs> Norman Hunter turning up at their family reunion uninvited. You're not allowed in here oh, Lee's only. <laughs>
0: so um we've uh, got the lovely small package um uh, in the in the first round, and uh, Yamada gets control with an arm ringer, and then Rocco sort of leads him a merry dance and uh, propels him out of the ring in a way that basically only works in terms of the laws of physics in wrestling, but uh, very much uh, liked it, and there's not a huge amount to write home about in the first round basically, I think the biggest spot is a hard Irish whip by uh, Yamada, he's held the fucking uh, over, hasn't he? And then um, an atomic drop, which uh, Rocco somehow doesn't sell by jumping up and uh, flying over the top rope, which is uh, I think how it usually tends to go, so uh, uh, you know, and he didn't, uh, he didn't quite get all
1: of it there, George. Um,
0: didn't quite get I mean, all of it. Fair play for uh, Mark Rocco's restraint. This is not something I'll be saying often in this yeah. match, so well. Uh, I
1: mean, you look at um, at the start before the bell, things getting spicy early on. I was like, Oh, 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 oh. oh I
0: love it. There's a bit where well, it's not, not after, it's sort of before, isn't it? But like, um, yeah, a bit of aggro before the bell. I absolutely love to see yeah, it,
1: absolutely. Yeah, yeah. it's a disgraceful. scenes so yeah. you don't like to see in the game.
0: I, I mean, we also get in round two. Mark, I love heels, you protest every single two count,
1: yes.
0: <laughs> Like, no matter whether it was like 2.1 or 2.99, every single two count, they're claiming it was three. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, was it you were tell telling me you've seen a match recently where...
0: Oh, it wasn't recently. It was an, it was, there's an old Chikara match where uh, Bryce Remsburg is refing it and uh, he counts a two and the heel says, that was three. And Bryce goes, oh, was it? And just rings the bell. <laughs>
1: I I feel that that'd be a very world of sport finish. I could see that I could see that flying in world of sport.
0: Well, we've we've already established the trope of easily intimidated referees in the uh, in the previous and this match. Uh, as well, I
1: mean to be fair, he may not be as in- intimidated as others because uh, they mentioned in this match that Mal Mason, the referee, um, he used to play for Everton. Did he? What? Yeah, they they mentioned that he used to play for Everton. No, I, I looked it up and can't find anything about this.
0: <laughs> Is this just one of these sort of uh, kayfabe? Why would you? Why Is
1: would Gordon it... Ramsey playing for Rangers, and he actually just played in a Legends <laughs> match and in the youth games? I, uh, yeah. I,
0: actually, I was I was going to say like um uh why would it be Everton rather than Liverpool? But actually, Everton were basically like Everton and Liverpool were the top two teams in the country at the time. So I guess it's like more impressive than it would maybe seem now. Sorry, uh, uh Harvey Coleman, if you're <laughs> listening to this. <laughs> um, so uh, we get a uh, test of strength turns into a qua- uh, sort of quasi northern light suplex a um, closed fist punch Kent Walton you saw it at home we saw it at ringside but the referee was the wrong side for it so it's basically Jermaine <laughs> genus complaining about VAR and match the day in an intensely annoying manner <laughs> Um, and then we get a, ba- a lovely backdrop from Rocco For a standing uh, seven count And uh, referee refuses to count a pin off a knee drop So he's uh, got some standards And then we get um, uh, The first of uh, a running thing in this match Which uh, which I absolutely adore. and It's probably the thing uh, Probably the reason why I specifically wanted to uh, Cover this match um, uh, uh, Rollable Rocco puts in an abdominal stretch And then goes Come on down Mr Enoki <laughs> I
1: love it He's, ju- he's just settling it- grudges so yeah I, I love
0: the fact that like mark, mark Rocco's commitment to like chewing out japanese wrestlers who are like not in the building and also presumably like no one in attendance or watching on tv will have heard but of
1: kip walton is like well this is the first ever time i've heard of inoki in a, in a world of sport ring and he's like like why why is he mentioning this man It's like it's 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 a great reference, and Kent Walton is genuinely. And, in Antonio Flavius. Inoki
0: from uh, from from Augusta, Florida. Um, <laughs> actually, I I I would have loved if um, uh, like Kent Walton had like. I mean, I'm glad that he knew who Inoki was. It kind of reminds me of that. Uh, you know the um, the match William Regal had against uh, Inoki in WCW. Yes. And he cuts this a, that's promo.
1: It's a, a great time to plug that. Yes, I do know that match, and we will probably end up reviewing it very soon. But more on that
0: later. Oh yeah, we're, we're um, thinking of doing like basically a bunch of mini shows just to give you give you guys some content. Um, basically covering every uh, every match, one match per episode on uh, Inoki's final countdown um, tour uh, before his retirement. Sure, there's some gold in them there was One of which being uh, the regal match where Regal cuts this promo on uh, a Nitro or Thunder or Saturday Night or whatever, and he says, "I've been I've been to Japan. And I've talked to a lot of Japanese wrestlers. None of them have ever heard." <laughs> it's it's absolutely amazing stuff um and uh i mean the ra- the round ends with yamada having the uh, abdominal stretch so he has um uh reclaimed some uh uh credibility in the eyes of his senpai and hopefully gotten to notice him uh round three starts off with a fucking car wheel back elbow <laughs> from yamada
1: <laughs> jesus christ is 1987 lads <laughs> Come on, calm down! Come on, you can go back to just waist locks. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was gonna
0: say because, like, I mean, that's the, that's the other thing about these um matches. I fucking love the crowds in all of them. Oh,
1: they're so nice. Like
0: great. these are the perfect wrestling crowd because they're popping for like the big moves and even like the fairly smaller moves. They're like sort of like uh you know uh abusing the heels um there there's sort of this, always this undercurrent of noise in the same way that we got at the world quest show basically because so many people were there there's always this hum even though in the quieter spots of the matches and they're not doing like stupid ironic chants the entire time before ever, everything had been poisoned by football terrorist culture you know like this is a um this is a um like a proper wrestling crowd and they're really into it and
1: there's nobody going shoes off for Yamada here, you know what I mean? Like it's
0: There's no one chanting for the fucking referee in a in a in the semi main as there was at Royal Quest. People chanting for Red Shield during a Hiroshi Tanahashi title win.
1: Mal Mason, you're one of our own. Just Robbie Brookside <laughs> in his Everton shirt Malmason. Well he's just
0: come from wrestling in it. <laughs> Jeez, imagine wrestling in a fucking nineteen uh, eighties wrestling shirt, uh, football shirt. I can't imagine they're that breathable. No, no, imagine
1: imagine a short. Jesus. Jesus.
0: And uh, then, after the um the cartwheel back elbow and a DDT, uh, the diving elbow drop from uh, Fuji Yamada. Fucking hell! I know British wrestling rings aren't necessarily like huge, but like he basically does it from one corner of the ring to coast the other. To coast
1: he's basically doing a coast to coast. <laughs> it's like,
0: and it's the diagonal coast to coast as well. It's not from like um one side to the other, like distance on that. Shane
1: McMahon would fucking love all the sport rings. He'd love them. He'd do it from anywhere. <laughs> he'd, be like, I, he'd be like, yeah, it's all this shit, and I'm just gonna. I, I'm gonna coast to coast. over there, I need to like get. He'd probably get the crowds. He'd be like, which corner? And then he'd put him in a corner and just absolutely yeah diagonal.
0: Well, you know, I mean Shane McMahon is the best in the world, and the world does include Britain until we fucking leave that. Former as well.
1: European champion Shane McMahon, he has catch wrestling heritage, right? He he has re- he has been the champion of all Europe at some point. How dare you doubt uh, Shane McMahon's world of sport credibility?
0: <laughs> or his credibility in anything for that but matter. That, that, um... that
1: was a joke I made on Saturday. Where Shane McMahon, he's won the World Cup and the European Championship. He's basically Spain. <laughs> what is really
0: fucking boring yeah, to watch actually so. <laughs> you no know, I, I, quite, I quite like Shane McMahon matches for like similar reasons you do because it's just like car crash shit um, so uh, Rocco takes a power to uh, the uh, easy chants which are the uh, sort of staple of British wrestling most commonly associated with Big Daddy squashing the fuck out of people in five minutes but we get him in this as well and then he goes to the top rope but Yamada pulls him off as it were but uh, misses the knee drop and Rocco stomps him and kind of goes oh like uh, the Prince Regent in that episode of uh, Black Adder before he's about to do his speech and then probably uh, the even better version of uh, him calling out Anoki he puts on the sharpshooter or the Scorpion Deathlock as it would be, or the Sasori Kitame, as it would be known to Japanese fans, and uh, goes, what's this Choshu, Ricky? <laughs> um, so like, it's calling out Choshu now as well, um, who had actually returned, I, I, I did look this up, because I thought it would be even funnier if Choshu actually wasn't in, even in New Japan at that point, <laughs> but uh, he had actually returned to New Japan from all Japan a couple of weeks this
1: prior. This is basically an addition tape, isn't it? Like, Royal rollable Rocko is quite clearly angling here. He's basically, he's... he's He's doing this and he's um. He, I think he's hoping that Yamada will go back and, rec- and recommend it and say you, you should get him back. Yeah,
0: he, he, he wants another runner's back target. Yeah, <laughs> like,
1: and then uh, they're going to get this videotape and he's just going to upset the whole Toyko office. <laughs> <laughs> they're just going to be like this man will never work in Toyko again.
0: Sounds like someone's fucking like fucked up their probation at a, like a toy shop. I'm, I'm taking this straight to the head of to- Toyco.
1: There's millions of debris all under one roof. It's called (laughs) Tycho, Tycho, Tycho.
0: R.I.P. Toys of Us, you're with the angels now. Um, so I also caught the words Japanese fool in there. The sound quality is quite bad on this. So, um, I, I didn't, I didn't get all of, um, Rocco's, uh, jaw jacking, but I definitely heard Japanese fool. Um, snap Mare's Yamada into the ropes and does a shin breaker, started working the, the leg to follow up the sharpshooter and, uh, dropped her hold. And he has a leg lock on as around uh, three ends and then, uh, exit, exits the ring to do some gloating. So, uh, that's good. And he, uh, picks up the belt and points to it, which, um, is, uh, always, always something that, uh. Sort of sets me at ease because wh- whenever someone in the Fed does that, they never win the the win the belt in the match.
1: It's like David Starr before he absolutely ran that gimmick into the ground in every single match that he does. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Actually, David Starr turning up in Twitter, <laughs> um and just like taking
0: the world heavy middleweight belt. <laughs> uh, to be
1: honest. <laughs> Imagine I I kinda wish that um David Starr had done that when Big Demo was still in the you Remember when Big Demo had like five heavyweight yes, championships yes. from like various I wish David Starr fought demo and just had like this stack of belts. <laughs> Just like his foot about two foot off the ground because he got so many belts on underneath him that he's standing on, standing on an absolute stardom trophy <laughs> cabinet of belts. Just
0: oh fuck. Um, so he's uh, so he's uh, brought the curse of uh, touching the belt on himself. As so we go into round four, grinds Yamada down some more with a uh, cravat and a knee drop, and uh, gives him some gives him a nice another fucking great Carly brain chop as well. <laughs> like uh,
1: all over all over these uh, these matches and. Basically, world of sport is just brain chops and people talking shit, isn't it? That, this, that's that, the that, real that's that's probably why you like sport. it so much. That's why I love world of sport, just with the brain chops and the shit talking. To be honest, yeah.
0: So, assuming your two favorite things about wrestling, yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> oh, no, like, oh no, I no, I don't, I don't care about holes. I just love brain chops.
0: Yeah, not the not the Johnny St. matches, just brain chops. Um, and uh, Rocco cuts Yamada off and hits a spinning net breaker. Uh, lovely, lovely stuff. He uh hits hits the Irish Whip and then uh, go behind by Imada and a lovely bridging German suplex for uh for the first fall and there cannot have be been many German suplexes going on in uh in British wrestling at the time one would imagine. So I mean I I, I guess like unless uh the um spectators are familiar with these particular series of matches i would imagine they would have been quite taken aback by some of the action in the same way that uh the crowd was so into uh samuel lee's uh martial arts stuff when he was uh new into the promotion uh okay. so uh yeah uh b- brilliant stuff there and uh so round number five um we get to you still bringing in the uh, heavy duty offense just get a rude awakening pretty much right off the bat looked amazing as well like the um i mean i i, I have a few issues with the um layout of this match going to be like sometimes Rocco's control segments aren't necessarily the most interesting but like the execution mm. of everything is so good. Yeah
1: it's very like important. it's all
0: really crisp. You can tell they're very like high level wrestlers. Um uh Yamada tries the crossbody out of the corner and like absolutely eats it when uh <laughs> Rocco dodges and uh then we get another another abdominal stretch. I'm giving up for more uh uh shit talking. Um unfortunately we don't get that. It's just Rocco going, yes ask him which actually I I, I enjoyed um uh, almost as much. Uh, now sadly we didn't this time we didn't get Kent Walden to say, I oh, actually I don't think he's uh, uh, putting that uh, submission in very well at all. I think uh, I don't think it's doing him much harm.
1: <laughs> it also answers one of the great um questions. I seem to remember I can't, oh, I can't remember what episode it was. We did a match where Liger shouted Ask him and we have used it yeah Jericho maybe got it from him, and it turns out we found out where Liger got um, ask him from, and it's quite cl- clearly from Rollerball Rocco shouting ask him. His
0: his uh his uh, influence on Japanese wrestling goes beyond uh, what we might have thought. Yeah. Um. Some great sort of uh, shit house um heel stuff in this um in this round, sort of casually Chuck Yamada through the ropes. Um who fights back uh, with a missile dropkick from the top, where he hits the ground hard.
1: He really does. Fucking hell, those
0: rings do not have enough give. And this is actually, if you listen to William Regal get interviewed, I particularly think of the um, interview he did with Stone Cold, he said um, part of the reason that the British style was quite map-based is that, um, firstly, there'd maybe only be four matches on a show, so you'd have to string them out. So you kind of want to slow it down. And secondly, those rings were rock hard.
1: Yeah. I see you weren't taking any sort of head drops or anything like that.
0: Yeah, so fuck, I can only imagine what uh, uh, Yamada's spine was uh,
1: going through at uh,
0: yeah. that point. Um, uh, Rocco misses a corner charge and Yamada does some leg kicks. We get the Andre the Giant spot very briefly where he's sort of tied up in the rope. So it was uh, always pop for that. And then to end the round, um, casually chucks Yamada to the outside again. Very good timing, just doing it as the bell goes. Definite sense of Rocco um, uh, building momentum to uh, sort of quote Michael Cole.
1: Yes, building momentum,
0: yeah. And then round six, we get your favourite spot. Mark Rocco removes the turnbuckle pads. Yes.
1: Well, I love... One thing I actually really liked about this is that they kind of reference it in a very weird way by saying that... Kent Walton calls it by saying, oh, it looks like it's came off when... Like Liger's been against the the ro- the turnbuckle. Like he's like so somehow taking the turnbuckle pad with him at that time. Yeah, it, it was quite mad.
0: I quite like that. Like um, because usually when Yano does it, he like waits for them to like run into the corner and then rolls them up. Um, uh, Rocco did basically whips Yamato into the buckle and then just rams his spine against it. <laughs> <laughs> um. It's enjoyably brutal. He uh, gets a Canadian backbreaker and Yamada escapes, but um, another shoulder bot from Rocco and Yamada very nearly gets the three off a crossbody mm. and sort of looks as though he's going to try another one, but then a lovely double arm suplex for a, a three count from Rocco to tie it up at one all. And as as the uh, this podcast preeminent Dory Funk Jr. mark, I very much approved of that finish. Yes. Again, just like really crisp wrestling, just like really well executed, like um, uh, like just just great stuff all round. Um, and then uh, now we get into the seventh and final round. As I didn't even get to halfway of the uh, fifteen round limit. Um, we get the uh, the snake eyes on the ropes.
1: Yeah. Oh, uh, you turn in now. We are going we're, going, we're going to school. We're going school, and
0: then going to send you to a deserted island where you're going to shoot each other until one of you's left. <laughs> Um, and um, Rocco accidentally Chops chop the corners As the uh, Trent Seven spot Which uh, Mark Rocco Is contractually not allowed To perform at Corican Hall And, and um, <laughs> <you> might... <laughs> That joke purely For like Sarah And like three other it's people It's so that I
1: funny box. It's so so funny How <laughs> he made this entire thing So he could work Hall And then WWE Went nah
0: <laughs> Yeah it is amazing That that show's Also that show Fucking ruled I don't know if you watched Any of it <laughs> It was it's like, great um... yeah It was great It was a great shit um, Then uh, we get a fucking Uh Dropkick by Yamada sends Rocco to the outside and then a plancher over the top rope. Yes. Again, weren't none of that being done by uh, Big Daddy at the time, I would, have, uh, I would wager. <laughs> Can you imagine, though? Because your Big Daddy secretly had this Keith Lee-level agility and we never saw it. it
1: be like that. You know that etchy and scratchy cartoon where he like, pull um, pulls out scratchy's tongue? and then goes in a <laughs> rocket to the moon and ties it round, and the moon starts coming towards him. He's like, that would be like oh, to be big daddy if he, if he did a plancher.
0: That is a very good way of putting it. My <laughs> like. God, fuck me. Um, so, uh, Rocco's somehow in first after the plancher. I don't quite uh, know that. Because, like, I don't, I don't even think I would have said he didn't quite get all of it to that plancher. I thought he nailed it dead on so That's kind of weird. Um, and then... Um, they do a few exchanges with Yamada on the apron before Yamada uh, does another fucking top rope missile dropkick and actually misses this one. Yes. Uh, Jesus, again, hits hard. Rocco hangs him up on the road I and mean, an irate fan in the audience gesticulating.
1: Get that fucking book out.
0: <laughs> they are fucking raging like the besmirching of uh, of Antonio Anoki's good name will not stand with the fine people of Orphanstone.
1: Get them to the in.
0: And um, um, Yamada counters the sort of um, suplex from the apron into the ring And then a series of go-behinds Actually, I love this finish as well Um, uh, Sort of they exchange go-behinds And then Rocco blocks another German by holding onto the ropes so then Yamada rolls backwards and then Rocco picks him up, hits a tombstone, and um, Yamada kicks out just after three. You got to keep him strong, brother. <laughs> yes. Uh, just the Hulk Hogan in the fucking dropping the WCW title finish. Um, so yeah, that's a uh, two falls to one. Uh, Rollable Rocco wins back the um, uh, British Heavy Middleweight uh, Championship, and we will be having a unification match with the uh, 1982 European uh, Trophy <laughs> with John Hax as soon as it's uh, possible. The, the the winner can play off for three hundred um, <laughs> wonder of stardom title
1: trophies. <laughs> it's like um, I don't I don't know if you ever me- uh, remember this, but uh, it was a match in TNA with the Dudleys. Yeah, with well, the Dudleys, basically they came out and oh, they like, were yes. we wanted we wrestle for the TNA titles, and what we'll do, and they brought out a giant bag of all the replica titles you know, oh, like, for a big pile of like WWF and Little World and WCW and ECW and like the IWGP belt, and he'll you know, so we, tell what, we, we'll put all these replica belts on the line against your belt and all that, um, that's going to happen very soon. Um, oh,
0: yeah. I, I, it's like when your guy on the indies just comes out with a, a clearly fucking like belt he made in, 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 in like a worktop if I, if, at their
1: job if i ever told you that was going to be my gimmick if i ever became a wrestler where i was going to uh, like just come out every time with a, another highly contentious world title and just pretend oh yeah I'd, and do the pat patterson just say i'd won it in real i just got like, one all around the world like you know i won this in the solomon islands last week <laughs> um, come
0: out one which is clearly a child size like replica smackdown tag title <laughs> yes uh the put heavyweight title. Unification match with the uh, Blafuscu uh, international belt. So, I'm all for the Jonathan Swift heads out of there.
1: Oh, uh, uh, all <laughs> four of them. <laughs> uh, John Haystacks hailing one Bob Dignag. Stop. Stop. (laughs) He's
0: already dead. Um, So, uh, after the match, Rocco cut a very Mancunian promo. I couldn't really make out uh, much of what he was saying because the uh, sound quality on the PA wasn't great. Cotton and Uh, guns. Cotton and guns. The the impression that I got was he's going to go to Japan and beat the Japanese. Kent Walton uh, hopefully says there's no use addressing Yamada as he did not speak a word of English. (laughs) Um, Pretty sure that's not true. I think he would have, like wrestling in Britain for a relatively long amount of time, I think would have at least known how to say hello. That's just Maybe he's sense.
1: done a Gareth Bale.
0: <laughs> or to spend all this time playing golf.
1: <laughs> I know. It's Zenadine Zidane frantically trying to you know, get Fuji Ahmed out of his world of sport contract. <laughs> um and uh, also
0: I the other thing I love is that Rocco starts his promo about four times, which is enjoyably petty. It's like he's about to leave that <laughs> he thinks of another zinger that he's oh just one he's like the fucking Columbo of heel promos. <laughs> Just one more thing.
1: Just one more thing. Janita Routin Maria's a prick.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man.
1: So yeah, that was uh, so uh, Rollable
0: Rocco versus Fujimada. Um, I I li- I like this match quite a bit, and um, I think the problem with the match like this is because you don't get the enjoyment of watching something that is completely alien to um uh to today's tastes, like yes. we did the previous two. So basically, what we got was a like like pretty damn good junior heavyweight match but uh, I don't think anything that would be stellar by today's standards when like that particular style of wrestling is so ubiquitous and has come on quite a lot having said that I thought that as this sort of weird fusion of the Japanese junior heavyweight style of the time and the sort of British round system I thought it like worked really well and uh Mark Rocco was a, g- a great dickhead as well
1: yeah, he was so so good, and I loved it. I I think my favorite thing about him is that he would just on like storm at the ring, and like stomp his way around the ring, just arguing with a granny for a brick in her purse, <laughs> and just like, um, just like totally winding everyone up. He'd like get like a snap me or something like that, and he'd be like, "No, nope, I'm done," and then walk out, and then just like like jostle, uh, with the front row. And then just go back in. He'd done this several times, and it was it was wonderful every time. I go by just like talking just about how like animal Yamaguchi you know had a small cock or something. Like, I don't know, but uh, you know, what I mean, like it was just yeah. It's like have you ever seen the
0: um? Uh, this is one of my favorite matches. It's uh, there was a Tokyo Dome like showing like 2003. it was main evented by a ten man elimination tag. Um, and, um, it's like basically, um, some of the baby faces and Seiji Sakaguchi for some reason <laughs> against like basically a load of the shooters. And it's a ridiculous team because you've got, um, Kazuki Fujita, Shinsuke Nakamura, Minoru Suzuki, Yoshihiro Takayama and Bob Sapp. And Bob Sapp's brilliant in this match because every time he does a move, no matter what it is, like a shoulder block or a body slam, afterwards he will go spread his arms and go, ah, and then he'll do another <laughs> shoulder block, and then he'll do the same thing. It's like he is unable to like string two moves together. It probably sums him up as a wrestler, really. But he's like,
1: actually just um, it's actually just like you know how when you play like SmackDown 2 or whatever, yeah. and you're trying to get the meter up. You do like a restock, and then ah, because your special meter goes up faster if you do. Oh yeah, like
0: um, when I first got WWE Twelve, and I hadn't like played any of those games for ages, I went round a mate's house, and we like did like story mode. The story mode of WWE Twelve is fucking amazing. Um, and um, basically like we found the difficulty really hard, especially we wrestling like the Big Show or something. So we basically like exploit the AI, or just like do loads of taunts on the outside, come in, hit a finisher, try and pin them, <laughs> rinse and repeat. It was attritional and unpleasant in the extreme. But-
1: was WWE twelve? Was that the one that had the uh, the United Kingdom? Yes, and yes, it was, like, it was. Regal McIntyre, Barrett and Sheamus. Yeah, and, and, and Sheamus and won all the belts. Ryan?
0: No, no, for, don't you besmirch the name of the greatest stable of all time, the United Kingdom, by uh, implying that uh, Mason Ryan would be part of it.
1: Yeah, or Mason, I loved Mason and, Ryan, and then the,
0: the 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 main story line in the like the third bit was like. Um, it was like basically another WCW invasion, but like yes. th- this was so well written. They managed to turn fucking Ray Mysterio heel in a way that was thoroughly believable.
1: It, it, I remember that. Yeah, um, I think you know, didn't you have to fight Arn Anderson or something like that at some point? It was great. You, there was also um, so
0: many like backstage boards against Vader and Road Warrior Animal. I thought the cunt had set out camp set up camp outside yeah. my dressing room. <laughs>
1: said is coming back with some setup <laughs>
0: hey. in Blackburn for some reason.
1: Yes. That exactly. that's your Brit
0: rest history there. So um yeah, those the are the thinky's our... lads try to fucking spot people up. <laughs> <laughs> so those are those are our three matches well, like we basically we um we hope you enjoyed it uh, very much and um yeah, if you want to check out any of this stuff there's a, like there's not a huge amount of um uh, sort of extant footage of these uh, guys in Japan, but I mean if you hey, if you uh, famous about this Japanese. So, if you want to check out this uh, Jushin Liger character, then I can I uh, thoroughly recommend that. And uh, like I said, in episode 21, we will go on to sort of uh, modern uh, Brit Wrestling and uh, talk about some of the Japanese people who have made their way um, over from the sort of, I guess, false dawn of the sort of uh, FWA Wrestling Channel era right on
1: to the present day. Um, so uh, And if you don't like it, there's two things you can do about it <laughs> nothing and like it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: hey,
0: alex shane. i saw alex shane in a pink i saw him in a pizza express recently with lenny henry they weren't talking like i mean like uh they were in the same pizza express
1: yeah i alex shane redirecting a ring van somewhere <laughs> i mean that brought i i think there would probably be at least double figures of people there who still to this day would have went to royal quest and in the back of their mind thought Alex Shane can just fuck this up. Alex Shane can just nick the <laughs> ring. Like, like he could. And like he he will. He, he can't be stopped. He's a silent killer. He's basically, like, he's the like diabetes of British wrestling. He's a silent killer.
0: Like he will incubate in the scene for like years. It's like there's a there's a character in The Moors Last Sigh by Salman Rushdie who basically he's got a uh, after a botched operation I think he's got a needle in his heart in his body and it's slowly making its way towards his heart so he knows he could die at any moment. That is Alex Shane. <laughs> Vasco Miranda from The Moors Last Sigh is Alex Shane.
1: That's me. Oh, I like Alex Shane, like. I actually just want to talk for twenty minutes about Alex Shane. I'm not going to lie. Like, it's, it's, do you do you remember the? Um, do you remember his dojo?
0: Oh yeah, you just pay like two and a half grand to live at his house.
1: Ah, uh, you, know, you, you like do all his chores, and then he tells you about how like Triple H uses Nazi propaganda to get himself over.
0: <laughs> I mean, we will. Um, uh, we, we will have ample opportunity to talk about Alex Shane in the next uh, next episode. So let's maybe hold fire from that now and just uh, move on to the plugs. So you can follow us at per podcast on twitter uh that is where we do i mean some of it's wrestling chats some of it's just uh shit posts uh to be honest weird abstruse references that are for me and like one one mate who follows us who like is into their like fucking postmodern philosophy or some shit don't get great numbers on those not gonna lie but you know uh uh needs must and um uh that's basically our uh, where our social media content comes from really so uh give us a follow um david you've got a um a personal twitter account i believe
1: Yes, I do. Um, what's it? What is it again? Oh, Fahad God, M. Namor, wait. isn't it? Is it, or did I change it? I can't remember. I, I, unwise I change stuff uh, recently. We'll never I never do that. Kind of fucked up my. Yeah, I changed my handle, and I can't remember what it is. It's, it, oh, it's
0: like, it's like when um, uh, Miku Iwata of uh, Sendai Girls, like um, her, her um, uh, Twitter handle was basically a fucking Wi-Fi password. It was just like numbers and letters.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> and, I believe. Yes, I believe I changed it to OTIG tweet. So it's one team in Glasgow. So OTIG ah, okay. tweet. Okay, brilliant. Um, I might change it back afterwards, but um, on that as well, um, I I have a blog uh, that I'm putting on my ground hopping at. So if you're into looking at weird adventures and me going to random places, I would uh, heartily recommend you go to. Um, it is FahadMLemur.wordpress.com and you can go on there and they will be... Uh, yeah, you can see I've got various things about the time me and Jackson went in the dodrums and various gale old times. Fastbook.bandcamp.com uh, where I have lots of stuff for downloads. Pay some money to it. Um, you know, buy some downloads. would be great. If not, you know, it's fine. I don't expect to. Um, and in addition to that... Um, I'm going to see what I was going to do, but yeah, I would definitely suggest anybody in Glasgow, um, come down and see Maryhill FC. I mentioned this before. I've been volunteering at them. Me and Mark Dallas have been making making Maryhill great again. So yeah, we, we had a, a game yesterday against uh, Partic, uh, a team of Partick of Legends. So it was a very much a Venn diagram day for me. It was quite wonderful. There were lots of people turn up and stuff on like that, but we're doing lots of cool stuff, uh, like outreach into the community and all that, and doing like a big exhibition stuff. So yeah, it's going to be very good so yeah they're on twitter at mary Hill fc as well so i definitely I'd at the very least give them a like and if you are in glasgow go down because they have very cheap pints they have they have the breakfast pie now i don't know what the breakfast pie is it Moti sounds great right. it does I, it must be like square sausage and bacon or whatever in there but no i don't i don't know anybody who's eaten it. and my my usual my go-to pie man and eh, matt um uh, um he he's off the pies this season because he tasted all the pies last year and he's done with pies, and I'm very upsetting. But, um, yeah, so uh, go to Maryhill SC, uh, Google them, um, and you'll find some stuff about that.
0: Excellent, and um, uh, now uh, I have a finished novel, The Rise and Fall of Rikidozan, if you go onto Amazon um, then if you search The Rise and Fall of Rikidozan uh, you will be able to find the novel that I have written uh, about uh, about the man, it's set in uh, the Japanese wrestling scene of 1950s and 1960s and basically shows how um, wrestling sort of helped uh, Japan psychologically to recover from the shame of being defeated by America in the Second World War and also explores the sort of uh, dark secrets and and uh, hidden thrusts behind the wrestling business and the man at its centre. Uh, you can buy a copy for your Kindle uh, for £2.49. Alternatively, if you'd rather have um, a sort of a physical copy of it, you can buy a print-on-demand paperback for fourteen ninety is the cheapest I can do it. Um, for the number of pages because it is uh, quite a hefty bastard Uh, but that does mean that you do get uh, a lot of uh, reading for your money so uh, yeah please check it out if you've got an interest in uh, in, uh, sort of literature and uh, you fancy reading uh, an interesting novel about pro wrestling then uh, do check it out Um, also uh, just while I am uh, plugging things check out prowrestlingonly.com to explore other podcasts along with match reviews features and retrospectives reviews of wrestling books video games and matches playlists wrestling appearances in non-wrestling TV shows Shows and movies and more. You can also join the conversation by signing up at the PWO forums. We've been online for over a decade, and with over 2,000 registered members and an archive of over 4 million threads, our message board is a vibrant community all its own. Whether you want to talk about a specific match in our match discussion archive, take a deep dive in the microscope forum, or discuss more general topics from wrestling's past and present, check out all of this and more at www.prowrestlingonly.com. And Yeah, I guess that is about it for uh, for today. So um, yeah, thank thank you very much for listening as ever. We uh, hope you enjoyed this trawl through the uh, Japanese influence in world of sports If you've got um, if you've got the hankering to uh, go out and watch Way of the Dragon after about this, then uh, you know uh, don't come crying to us. That is a uh, an effect of the 1980s British wrestling scene and its weird fucking Orientalism as we have gone into on this episode. So thank you very much. That was episode 20. We will join you again for episode 21 um, in the fullness of time. So- so uh, it's uh, goodbye from me, Stato,
1: and goodbye from me, David.
0: <laughs> so we don't usually do this. I just like I don't know, every other fucking podcast. I does, was waiting yeah. for
1: you to say and goodbye from David, and then I say bye. But clearly, you know, no, seamless no, <laughs> bye.
0: No, we've we've gone the uh, we've gone the uh, obviously this is fucking seamless. We've gone the uh, gone the uh, the alternative route. I um, like to live life on the edge. So so uh, goodbye from uh, goodbye from me, Stato, and me, David, and uh, we'll catch you on the flip side. Adios.
1: Oh, That's almost as culturally insensitive as uh, the Bruce Lee Bennett's George Mummett oh, I...
3: Everybody was kung fu fighting. Those kids were fast as lightning. In fact, it was a little bit frightening. But they fought with... Everybody knew their part, from a fainting to a snip, and I take him from.
0: just going to look up quickly yes. uh what number episode this is I believe it's going to be episode 20 but is this an actual episode though? I think so yeah because like we're not sure how long big Vince is gonna so we'll pause the yeah. sort of match microscope and then we'll just um, get back on it as and when he's like uh, uh ready to do it so I'll just sort of at the start just say a bit about why it's just the two of us and
1: like If there's any, we can make it if we try, just the two of us. Uh, uh, Will Smith classic. That.
0: um, Yeah. So, um, uh, I think it's episode twenty, but I I will check. Uh,
1: Let's see. Who knows? Who cares? Uh, ah, The easiest way to do this would be to go on to. Oh yeah, I've I've
0: got, I've got it loading as well. It's just uh, taking a while.
1: Um. I'm now gutted that we never called this um, podcast "Comical and Sexy Pro Wrestling Lives." Um, <laughs> kinda... I've
0: got a couple of um, yes, it is episode twenty. I've got a couple of uh, potential titles in the pipeline for this one.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so uh, the first one is uh, uh, Toyko Gore police after the uh, the um, typo in the uh, the first match. <laughs> yes. And uh, the other one is Rollable Rocco's Modern Life. So I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which one you would uh, want me to go for out of those
1: <laughs> Rollerball Rock was modernly fuck me that's great that's absolutely the Oh, we'll, of right, we'll <laughs> go with that one then good <laughs> um oh right okay <laughs> uh right uh, that's fine uh, do you want to start then yeah yeah
0: alright okay just uh give me a sec and then we will do it okay So I'm still getting just got, uh still sort of my windows um okay
1: when so, i'm closing windows
0: yeah okay good so um <laughs> sorry about the um i've got i've got a thumb support because the uh my my wanker's cramp unfortunately became terminal uh, <laughs> so um so I'm, I'm taking remedial action uh about it um
1: you're actually just like uh my, one of my um uh what one of my players in my fifa career sandro tonali who's for some reason has a mad glove on all the time it's, it's weird i don't know why i got him he had the glove when he came i can't exactly take it off him now it's his arrow in the tape so i mean like, he's never gotten rid of it um,
0: <laughs> yeah or, or like um tomohiro Ishii, where like his shoulder was taped for like two years and then it suddenly wasn't and you know he didn't have surgery Oh yeah, he's
1: just been knocked at some point, and it's just put it back any places around.
0: He's, he's just got uh, doc, doctor, uh, Dr. Gale's patented spino-cylinder. <laughs>
2: oh, okay, let
0: me, let me start. Okay, so.
2: However, the most profound wisdom and the most mysterious power of Kung Fu is called Qigong. Through breathing and a series of systematic movements, Qigong produces a type of energy called Qi. The Chinese believe that Qi, or energy, normally resides in a place they call Dan Tian in the lower abdomen. Once you can freely direct this energy to a particular part of the body, you can produce enormous power. Direct the Qi to your arm as you throw a needle, and it can pierce a piece of glass. Used correctly, she can make any part of the body as hard as steel. The crown of the head can break iron plates, bricks, sticks, and stones. Hands can smash bricks and break sticks Ah! Ah! feet can splinter rocks and a star even the most delicate parts of the body can become immune to scimitar or spear attack the stomach can resist a trident stab or can break sticks The throat can resist
3: attack by spear. not
2: in the past, the mysterious qi gong was regarded as mystical or even as magic by some. But studies have found that the qi movements within the body can be tracked by a heat detector. Of course, the only way to maximize the qi energy is by repeating the exercises day after day. The human fists are fragile. Although often used in attacks, fists are prone to damage. If you wish to be more powerful, you must strengthen them. Place a piece of paper on a wall. Punch it for two hours without stopping. Replace the paper when it's broken. The wall may deteriorate, but eventually the hand becomes immune. The brain is the most important organ of the human body. Serious injury or damage to the brain can be fatal. To protect it, the skull must be strengthened. All you have to do is hit your skull with your palms for two hours every day to harden it. Then bang your head against a sandbag for two hours to train it to resist the shock of an attack. Hard Ji masters believe that the skull becomes up to four times harder than that of a normal person after two years of such continuous practice. Another very delicate part of the body, the neck, is particularly vulnerable to attack. Injuries here can lead to paralysis and death. A headstand loads the weight of the entire body onto the neck. Practice an hour every day for a year and then you can progress to neck hanging. The Iron Neck exercise consists simply of hanging by the neck from a cloth noose. At first, it is only bearable for two to three seconds, but eventually the body can be supported for minutes at a time, by which time you'll have mastered the technique. The Iron Neck is very useful in actual combat. It enables you to free yourself and counter-attack should your enemy have your neck in an arm lock.
1: Sorry about Sorry. that. Um, I, I have to go out and watch the dogs I let them out, because um, my dog has been um, eating grass. Oh God! Now, um, if your if dogs basically eat grass when they want to be sick, right? <laughs> so, uh, but I don't think he wants to be sick. I think he just really likes the taste of grass because he just he's, he's just eating it all the time at the moment. but Yeah, it's, he does his bad vomit. He can't stop. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, um, exactly. So. Um, yeah uh, but that's fine uh, so okay. we may get a dog sick um halfway through the episode